3: Just call 888-441-7290 or go to preparewithsoutherncents.com. You know what? Let's make it even more simple than that. You're listening to my show, and it's called Southern Sense, and you know you put a dash in the middle, southern sensecom and click on the icon for My Patriot Food. All right, welcome to another exciting adventure here on Blog Talk Southern Sense. Here, I know I was going to screw up, Curtis. I told you that. <laughs> Try that one more time. <laughs> uh, you're here watching and listening to Southern Sense live on Blog Talk Radio SHR. Media, Lone Star Daily News up on iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, Stitcher, Spreaker. Oh, and guess what? We've got a brand new. Uh, platform that is carrying us. It is official. I am up on iHeartRadio. I am now carried on iHeartRadio.
4: Wow.
3: I'm your hostess with the mostest the radio chickadee, Annie, along with my curious co host, Curtis C.S. <laughs> Good afternoon, Curtis. How are you?
5: Hey, every morning I wake up, I keep telling myself this, this has been a bad dream, a nightmare, and I'll wake up from it eventually, but. Every day I, I look, I'm, I'm still on house arrest, so I'm trying to figure out, you know, how to plan my breakout from this twilight zone. <laughs> but it's almost like Groundhog Day, you know, it's the same thing
4: every
3: day. Oh, man. I want to welcome those that are listening in over on Facebook. And I'm going to check over to see if it's up on YouTube. And it doesn't look like it. No, it's not up on YouTube. I don't know what the heck is going on with that. Uh, I have no idea what is going on with that. Yeah, but I'll post it up later. Anyway, um, we've got a lot going on today. Um, We have a friend of mine, I like to call him that, Michael Doherty, who will be joining us. Uh, He wrote the book, The Devil in the Beltway, um, about uh, the swamp and uh, corporate espionage and everything. A really good book, but the story is still going on. He has been in an unending legal battle over what they did to him, how they put him out of business, and how he fought back. Uh, so he'll be talking to us. Uh, we're also going to have Liz Harrington. She will be our GOP spokesperson. I love having Liz on. was this, number five or six times she's been on? It's great. And then no we have a new guest, Michael, yeah, Michael Fisher. He is the president of New York's Central Park South Civic Association. And, you know, I got information on the gentleman, and I said, yeah, well, it sounds kind of boring. But when I checked his website and found out what this gentleman is doing to help New York City, not just the Central Park area, but all of New York City, um, we're going to have a lot of fun talking with him. So that said, let's get ourselves a little rocking and rolling here. Um, the dedication is going to be kind of brief because it's – It's going to be an unending dedication uh, that we'll be going over the next several shows. Today's dedication is going to go out to the fallen law enforcement officers that fell in the line of duty from the COVID-19 virus. And I have only a partial list that is found on on the Officer Down Memorial page, OMDP.org, The reason why I say it's a partial list, because I know New York City has not put any names in here. Uh, There's major areas of New Jersey and other areas that have been hit hard with the COVID virus that have not entered the names of their fallen law enforcement officers. Um, I will be checking to see what the fire department has put up uh, for next week. And unfortunately, there's no way to know how many brave men and women out there serving in the medical field and other first responders that don't have special dedication pages that have fallen in the line of duty fighting this virus. Uh, So the dedication today is going to go out to police officer Jose Fontanez of the Boston Police Department, Broward County Deputy Sheriff Shannon Bennett, Chicago Police Department, Police Officer Marco DeFranco, Sergeant Clifford W. Martin, Sr., Police Officer Ronald Newman. From the Detroit Police Department, Captain Jonathan Parnell. From the El Paso County Sheriff's Office in Colorado, Deputy Sheriff Jeff Hopkins. From Montgomery County Sheriff's Office in North Carolina, Deputy Sheriff Cypressa Fomprokhan, Riverside County, California Sheriff's Department, Deputy Sheriff Terrell Young. From Sands Point Police Department in New York, Sergeant Joseph Spinoza. From Santa Rosa Police Department in California, Detective Mary Lou Armour. And finally, from Union City Police Department in New Jersey, Detective Alice Ruperto. Today's show is dedicated to these brave men and women out there fighting the COVID virus and protecting the public. To them, we send them this song by Todd Allen Herrington. My name is America. We will not be defeated, and we will come back to normal life. Today is not the new norm. God bless
2: each I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open
3: My name is America, you can find it at ToddAllenShow.com, and check them out. You're here listening to Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, the Lone Star Daily News, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook, or half a dozen other places, including now officially up on iHeartRadio. I found out by accident, Curtis, that we're up on iHeartRadio because we were painting the room, making it ready for my mother arriving here uh-huh. uh, after leaving the rehab hospital. And the TV that's in the room has things like Sling on it and Hulu and YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it had iHeart on there. And so he said, all right, let's put some music on while we're painting so you're not doing this all in silence. Uh, so I said, you know, I pull up the iHeart app on the TV. And I said, just for the fun of it. And I keyed in the name of the show, Southern Sense Talk. And sure enough, I look up at the TV screen and there's my face smiling back at me. <laughs> and I said, cool. So actually, what we did was we were listening to my episodes, and I very rarely listen to myself. I very rarely pull up the shows and listen or watch them afterwards. But I was pleasantly surprised that they had all the episodes up there. So if anyone's missing me or they have it on their phone or they have the TV with the iHeart app on it, uh, you can now catch the show up on iHeartRadio. I was so surprised. I mean, I don't know how I got up there, (laughs)
4: but I got up there.
3: I'm sure they felt we were right
5: for their programming.
3: (laughs) But I thought it was pretty, pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. Anyway, um, just to let people know, the latest episode with mom is that she left the rehab hospital on Tuesday. Um, she does use a walker a little bit, uh, but she is home with us here now. Uh, we've got the hospital bed fully assembled for her. Uh, they're still working on modifying the bathroom. They were supposed to be done uh, on Wednesday, and then on Tuesday, they said, no, w- w- maybe Thursday. And then to Thursday, they said, no, we have to come back on Friday. So they left here just before we went on airtime. I chased them out. <laughs> I really did. I was like, guys, <laughs> I'm going on the air. You can't be bagging hammers and other stuff, making noise. when I'm Because the bathroom, her bathroom is directly next to the studio. Uh, I had to keep a close eye on mom, So I chased them out, and uh, the guy came to fit her for a special uh, orthotic brace uh, for her leg to help her, you know, walk a little bit better. And he, he left just <laughs> five minutes before airtime chased him out the door. Scoot, scoot, scoot. He got your cancer. Go, no. go, no.
4: you know, mm.
3: but she is here with us. And it, it's been a whirlwind. I mean, I'm going to change my front door to a revolving door because we had uh physical therapy. We had occupational therapy. We had the nurse, um, we had a social worker. Now we had the guy from the device company. I mean, every time I turn around, the doorbell's ringing. And plus, we've got the workers coming in and out nonstop. I've got one cat that is so skittish, she's hiding underneath the bed covers in our
4: bedroom.
3: and not come out until the last one leaves.
5: <laughs> well, she's so wondering what's is- going on here. <laughs> Who are these people?
3: But uh, we're back. We're back now. Every Friday, we're back to our normal schedule. We'll start bringing back fantastic, wonderful guests. I mean, I've got something like maybe 200 emails from people wanting to book uh, their their person uh, onto the show. I'm getting it on just not emails. I'm also getting it over on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and uh, <laughs> this is going to be Curtis. This going to be uh, uh, crazy trying to book all these people that keep on you know sending me stuff. I've got. Plus, eight authors, their books I still have to read. <laughs> and one of them has well, to go you know, across the
4: street from me.
5: <laughs> for one thing, for one thing, you know, these people like politicians that are campaigning and, and authors who are used to, you know, going out and speak to the public, they're not allowed to do that right now. So this is just one of the avenues, you know, social media that they have left well, to communicate.
3: Yeah. Well, that's good for us. That's very good oh, for yeah. us. We
5: can get <laughs> if, the pick of the
3: lot. Well, if this show is that popular that people are actually looking for us, for me, for yeah. you, and saying, hey, listen, you know, well, we heard about you, and which is why uh, the RNC press uh, uh, spokesperson um, has contacted me and she sends me every single week someone from the RNC to speak on behalf of the Trump campaign, as well as the RNC. I mean, that's good for us. That's very good for us. But anyway, we've oh. got, we got so much to do. And, you know, everyone is basically, you know, self-quarantining, you know, under house arrest, as we call it, you know, stay at <laughs> home um, and stuff. But, you know, I on Friday, last Friday, um, running some errands, My husband went in one direction. I went in the other direction. And uh, we were amazed at how much people were starting to come out. You know, just a couple of days before, the streets were empty. But now people are starting to get back into a normal, semi-normal routine. Uh, I think we're going to be out of this faster than people anticipate. We're on the downside of the curve of this virus. And, you know, I think the media made more of a, a hype about it than I think was necessary. And it turns out a lot more people caught the virus without even knowing it. Uh, I, I was watching um, Laura Ingram last night, you know, and she's one of these that walks and She's one of these, you know, clean freaks that, you know, you get on the airplane, you got to spray the seat down and everything. Uh, but she said, you know, people are actually yelling at each other in New York city if they walked past or jog past, like you're 10 feet away and you're jogging getting yelled at because they're not wearing a mask. I think it's going a little too far. You know, I, I go out without a mask. I have no qualms, you know. My husband and I take our temperature, our oxygen level every single day. We do our own medical readings, our blood pressure. Um, I do my own EKG. because of my heart condition. So, you know, we look for any spike in temperature. We, The nurse comes over and does it for my mom. But when the nurse isn't doing it, then we do it for her. You know, if you do simple Logical things: wash your hands, carry a hand sanitizer in your pocket. You know, I I, I made a whole slew of these little pockets of hand sanitizers. I keep them in the car, I keep one in my purse. I was going into one of the stores, and they had one of the staffs getting at the doorway with a huge bottle of hand sanitizer. Now I don't know what the heck they put in that stuff that she's going to be squirting on everyone's hands. I don't want that on me. So I said, no, I've got my own. I pulled it out in front of her, sprayed down my hands, wiped, you know, rubbed my hands together to dry it off, and walked in. It's like, no, I'm not going to use your crap. I'm using the stuff I know I made that's good. <laughs> I know mm-hmm. how much of alcohol is in there. You know, but that's, this is what we're doing for now. But I tell you, in a couple of years, it's going to be like a generation will come along like they never understood what was the, this was about. And they'll look back at it and goes, why did everyone panic? And I think that's what it is. People are panicking. And the funniest part is, is that if you're out there in the fresh air, if you're out there, they're finding that if you go to an outdoor restaurant, you're less likely to catch the virus if you're outside, dining outside. If you're out in a park or on a beach, you're far less likely because the virus doesn't like the outdoors. It actually surviving better indoors where there are a lot of people are con- congregating so if any place you want to protect yourself is if you go inside a building that has a lot of people in it now I know around here they're limiting how many people enter a store based upon the square footage and I'm sure most places are doing that, fine I've got no qualms with that but you know I go in, I get what I need and I'm out I don't linger, I don't dawdle just go in and do your business you want to wave hi to someone you know, fine. You know, I do stop occasionally. I'll see a friend there and i will stop chat, and say, you know, hi, how you doing? But then you go on and you get your stuff and you leave. You don't stand there for 20 minutes having a long conversation. You want to have a conversation with a person? Wait until you're both outside and then have your conversation, knowing that you're less likely to catch your virus that way. But if we're doing this for the COVID, why aren't we doing this for the common cold? Is that a good question? What the
5: common or the common flu.
3: Yeah. More people died last year. I think it's something like the last flu season was something like over 80,000. And yep. we're what? Somewhere around maybe, I think we're up around 60,000 now. And we're coming out of the the season. So I. I you know,
5: yeah. And we didn't shut down the economy we, either.
3: No, we didn't. And Sweden did not shut down their economy. They still allowed outdoor dining and people doing things the after. they just said, use common sense, you can keep the stores open, but you know limit what you do until this flu season passes, and you know That's they're doing fine there's no massive unemployment there yeah, We've got same thing with
5: um same thing with Australia and New Zealand you know mm-hmm. they they didn't shut down their society completely. They just took, told people no. to take the proper precaution.
3: Absolutely. And that's just the common sense thing to do. You know, yeah. I, it, it is really, really crazy. And I think people have just basically overreacted. And if you look at where I think they said something like over 50% of the cases were in nursing homes. That's you right. you got to ask yourself, what were these nursing homes doing that caused this virus to spread. It's not the staff that's working in the rooms every single day, it's management that did not implement safe procedures. If you don't implement the safe procedures, the employees are naturally not gonna follow them on their own You've say, this is company policy. I want you to wear gloves and a mask when you enter a room or I want you to wash your hands constantly going in and out of rooms. Keep a safe distance between you, but if you have to interact with the, the patient like taking the temperature or anything else, you know, make sure you don gloves and a mask first before you approach the patient. You know, you implement safe procedure, you pre- prevent it from spreading, and you prevent yourself from getting it. But the nursing homes didn't do that. And uh, that one VA hospital, uh, was it in Massachusetts? That Wherever had, it was, they had over that, 70
5: people. Dying.
3: Over 70. I believe it was in Holyoke, Holyoke, Massachusetts, that's the place. Over 70 of our veterans died from this virus. I mean, the brave men and women out there that serve their country, and all they ask is to be treated with respect and dignity as they near the end of their lives, and and they want comfort. They want to be treated well, but this nursing home was so poorly managed that I'm going to say they murdered over 70 of our veterans. They should be charged with 70 counts of murder. But, you know, whether or not something will come out of it, I don't know. We'll see. I have a funny feeling, Curtis, that when we come out of this virus, they're going to see a turning of our nation, not to the left, but I think more to the right. By putting in these draconian um,
2: policies, uh, guidelines, restrictions. Yeah.
3: policies, restrictions, now Gavin Newsom turning around saying Orange County, California can't open their beaches, but anywhere else in California can ha- can open their beaches. You know, having idiotic things like that, we're going to see the nation start to turn more right than left.
5: Yes. Well, most what of the policies do? are being taken as punitive. You know. Um, in other words, uh, Newsom said that um, because a lot of people came out to, to the beach the week before, well, he's going to shut them down. That's
3: punitive. Uh, and then you have in New York City Mayor de Blasio saying to the Christian churches, I'll shut you down permanently. Since when does de Blasio have the power to violate the U.S. Constitution and prevent us from practicing our faith. Since when does he get the power to do that?
5: Well, look what they were trying to do with the um, Orthodox Jews there that went to the funeral.
3: Exactly. They threatened to arrest these guys. I'll order the police to arrest you if you dare attend one of your own funerals. Who is he to turn around, but notice he does that to the Christian faith and the Jewish faith as we come into the holiday season of Ramadan, the Muslim faith, where they also gather in large groups. He doesn't call out the Muslims, but he calls out the Christians and the Jews. Interesting, isn't that?
5: Yeah, you don't hear anything about Islam being um, targeted.
3: No, you don't, and it's it's funny um uh in the chat room, we've got uh observational learning, observational learning uh He wrote that um, I buy many boxes of nine millimeter every time I shop at Walmart. I got a question for you though uh, in the chat room. When do you find someone behind the gun counter at Walmart every time I walk past it? I must say in the last two years. Ever since Walmart started doing this, they have to have a um, a licensed uh gun dealer man th- this person has to be licensed by in south carolina it's called sled um, uh, they have to have some licensed by sled here in South Carolina at Walmart, otherwise they cannot open or sell anything at the gun counter i don 't know duck if if where you live that's required but Whenever I go into Walmart, I never see someone standing there. I actually have seen maybe two times in the last two years, and I was absolutely shocked and surprised. Uh, they have it stocked with ammo and rifles and other stuff, but I never see anyone standing there. And so when do they get to sell this? The, 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 the two hours, this one employee, Walmart employee that's licensed by Sled, to sell this stuff? I mean, I, I think it's funny. You know we do have a gun dealer in town that I end up going all the way across town to to get my ammo and stuff. Hmm.
5: Hey, I see that we got cool Mike with us I, I was wondering how things are going you know going in his his neck of the woods if he wouldn't mind to oh, update cool it.
3: Mike. Mike cool Mike, press one, and I'll bring you on because people are curious about what is going on in Michigan uh because Michigan got the ball rolling in opening up America again with those. But uh, auto protest, and now um, I believe it was in, in their state capitol. There were also was yesterday another protest. People actually went in uh, into the building to protest and, and demand Michigan be opened back up again. Uh, there's lawsuits against the governor in Michigan now by six different companies that are suing her because she's prohibiting them from operating their businesses. You know, government is now telling people whether or not you can operate your business, even though you're legally licensed to operate the business. They're telling you, nope, nope, we're not going to let you. You're not essential. Uh, Excuse me. If you're a female like me going into the drugstore and buying hair dye, that's essential. Trust me. Well,
5: (laughs) she just just won a a favorable ruling from some judge. Um, on, you know, the policy she's put forth since this uh, coronavirus deal. But um, she's um, hanging in there being the tough gal and people protesting big time because, like I said, these are draconian measures and people are just being tired of being treated like children.
4: Well,
3: that's the whole thing. You know, uh, I think the whole thing – well, there was an editorial – and I just shoved it into my piles of paper. Um, In the Flag and Cross by Michael Cantrell, and he, in his article, his his opinion piece, to be honest, it's an opinion piece, uh, questioned whether or not this was a manufactured hoax. Uh, Well, we know people got the virus. We know people have gotten sick, and yes, people have died. So I wouldn't call it a hoax, but whether or not there was an overreaction. To it, and the mainstream media just ran with it and made it a larger thing than it than it should have been. If people just simply were told, "Hey, be responsible," these are the recommendations that we have for handling this particular flu season, and we're going to let you know if we come up with some cures to it, some medications to make the side effect the effects of the virus less. You know, they could have said, "These are going to be our guidelines." On how we're going to handle it, these are going to be our recommendations. But life should on as normal as possible. You know,
2: well, they the should
3: have are, are people that have other underlying things such as diabetes or you know some sort of uh, pulmonary disease right. or something like that. If you have something else, you're more likely to be susceptible, susceptible to it. And then again, and the that's... question whether or not the people that are counting is dying from COVID have actually in truth, died from COVID. They may have had cancer or they may have had a pulmonary disease. And the COVID virus may have sped up their, their in, inevitable death, but was it the COVID virus that killed them or was it the cancer or the pulmonary disease or the diabetes or a heart attack? And there's so something in that legislation they passed, that first stimulus package, that actually gives the hospitals more money for each person they count as a COVID victim, whether they contract the disease or die, they get extra bucks. So it behooves the hospitals to up the count. So we will never know what the true count is. And I'm willing to bet it's a heck of a lot lower than what we're being told.
5: Well, actually, these are the people, the ones that were susceptible because of pre-existing conditions. They're the ones that Really should have you know been advised to stay at home and let the healthy get out there and work um i I look at it this way um, Everyone needs to build some kind of antigens to this, and the only way you can do that is get exposed exposure now they 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 say well, of those who've been exposed only I, I think it's less than what is it ten percent that really got seriously, you know, ill from it. And the other 90% didn't even know they had it. So they built well, it, up it, antibodies.
3: It's, been, it's even lower than that. It is less than 1%, uh, depending upon where you're looking at.
5: Um, I have the death rate is less than 1%, yeah.
3: Stanford, Stanford University, uh, their study estimated the fatality rate from the virus is likely to be 0.1% to 0.2 percent um the who the world health organization has estimated the death rate was 20 30 times higher but we know how much veracity we have in anything coming out of who um new york city the epicenter for people that are 18 to 45 is 0.01 or 10 persons Per 100,000 in the population, people aged 75 and older, although have a higher rate, 80 times that. But for children under 18, the death rate is at zero. Let me say that oh, again. Yeah. For children, the death rate is zero. So let me bring on our guest. Love having her on, on the show. Let me just, if I can get my little mouse to work. Come on. Where'd you go? Oh, there you are. There you are. There we go. All right. Let's welcome aboard to the show. Liz Harrington, RNC spokesperson. Good afternoon, Liz, and welcome back.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
3: Oh, it's always so much fun to have you on. You're so sweet to talk to. Uh, we were talking about this, the uh, pandemic, and um, we have seen Trump you know, put out their guidelines and make suggestions about opening up the country. And I think places like... Um, Sweden had gotten it right, Australia, New Zealand, uh, other places that didn't do this mandatory stay at home but allowed people to use more common sense are faring better
1: economically
3: as well as health wise with this virus.
1: Well, I think it's important to remember that this is a situation that the world has never really encountered before. It was a brand new virus and there was a lot of uncertainty, it was highly contagious and there was a lot of unknowns, but given the information we've had at the time and the growing information we're learning, uh, we're committed to giving the states the resources, the data they need uh, to be able to open up safely. And remember, people really need to keep in mind the whole purpose of flattening the curve was to ensure that hospitals weren't overrun, to ensure that we would be prepared and able to confront the horrible outbreaks you saw in Italy. And fortunately, a lot of those outbreaks haven't happened in most of the country aside from the New York metropolitan area. And so now the administration is really, over these last several weeks, given states the resources they need, they've mobilized the private sector like we've never seen, Uh, nobody, You never hear the media talk about ventilators anymore. (laughs) What happened to that conversation? Because there was no shortage. Uh, And their hysterical uh, crying about needing a million ventilators and 30,000 in New York City, that turned out to be false. And so this administration has been on top of it. They've given states the resources they need, and they've also given states the common-sense guidelines To begin opening up and it's really the state's responsibility to use common sense and open up in a safe manner because we've got to get moving we've got to get this economy back which i know i'm confident we will because we had the strongest economy in modern american history going into this those fundamentals they don't go away the fact that we cut taxes the fact that we cut regulations and made america Uh, A priority for investment again And we're going to continue to do that Because if there's one lesson we learn After all of this When we get through it Which we will Is how right President Trump was About holding China accountable And how right he was About no longer letting America be ripped off And bringing that core manufacturing Back to the United States And we're going to do that when we rebuild
3: You know it's funny Because no one's really holding China Accountable except for the United States And you know We had my state senator Lindsey Graham calling China A terrorist organization Which I fully agree Lindsey Graham and I don't always see eye to eye But in this one I've got 100% I agree with him So will we ever see China being held Accountable and I'm going to ask you that Because there's there's an article that came out About a Nobel Prize winner Uh, His name is Luke Montier uh, and he studied this virus and he came to the conclusion as well as another scientist who ended up pulling it, his uh, uh, research because he took some heat for it. But when he studied the virus, he found in the DNA a, a ribbon cut into it of HIV virus. An RNA ribbon was cut into this virus and he was able to prove that. And coming out of the Wuhan lab that we know it came out of, whether it was intentional or accidental, we know the Chinese are responsible for this and for the unusual characteristics of this virus.
1: Well, if there's anyone that's going to get to the bottom of it, it's President Trump. And he's committed to getting the truth out of China. And when the when we have all the facts and when we have all the information needed, there will be accountability because President Trump's already held them accountable. He was the only president uh, to label China a currency manipulator, as was long overdue. I mean, what the Clintons did, letting China into the World Trade Organization, going out the door, allowing the transfer of our missile defense technology, the stealing of our intellectual poverty. I mean, China has taken advantage of this country for far too long And President Trump, it was a central issue in 2016, and none of that has changed. That's why he used tariffs to get them to the negotiating table when it comes to trade. And he's been absolutely honest, President Trump has, about his displeasure, because make no mistake, this is central planning from a communist regime. That is why not just the United States, but the entire world, is dealing with this pandemic because of a communist regime and their lies and cover-ups that cost the world at least six weeks. While they changed from being a net uh, exporter of PPE, personal protective equipment, before the pandemic, and then while they were covering up, what did they do? They became a net importer of PPE. And now selling masks and everything else for You know, eight times the value, hiking up the prices. It's unconscionable, their behavior. And so if anyone's going to hold them accountable, it's President Trump. He's committed to putting the American people first. And when you look at what the Democrats are saying, they don't even want to acknowledge what China did here because they are so preoccupied with politics that even during a pandemic they try to attack Our president, and it's just shameful what they do. But they're never going to stop, but the truth will get out there, and President Trump will continue to hold China accountable because he's the only one in Washington who has.
3: Yeah. Uh, And China has been making rumbling sounds out there in the the seas out there in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, While we're concentrating on the virus here, they're saying their eyes are not on the ball. But that's not true. Trump is still watching what's going on in China, as well as Iran's recent missile launch.
1: Right. I I mean, they are sorely mistaken if they think they can use this pandemic and think that we're distracted. That's why I remember early on. In this, President Trump brought in the generals to the White House briefing room and warned uh, the Mexican drug cartels, you think you're going to try to take advantage of us? Uh, I think again. And that's exactly the posture that has been consistent with this administration. It's American strength, it's putting our interests first, no longer a weak, feckless foreign policy that you saw under the Obama Biden years. It's amazing to think that anyone would buy into the idea that the Obama-Biden administration bringing back that mentality would hold any – of these regimes accountable. Joe Biden, I mean, he's going to have to check with hunters investors first before taking action against <laughs> China. I mean, the, it's, uh, the idea that they would be, they would hold anyone accountable, they still are shilling for the World Health Organization, which we know lied about this. They spread disinformation at the behest of the communist Chinese regime. They said that this couldn't be spread human to human in mid-January. They said, do not have travel bans that will only cause stigma and it won't have public health benefit. At every turn, they were acting in the interest of the communist Chinese regime and not in the interest of the world. And President Trump has already acted to defund the WHO, and he will act again to hold China accountable as well.
3: That's a huge amen to that. You know, um, I have to laugh with the WHO because – Uh, Laura Ingram played a clip of what the head of the WHO said back in March and what he just recently said. You know, at one point he said, well, the Chinese and the Cambodians had it correct in that if there's a family member that has the virus, yank that family member out of the house and isolate them. Uh, And then he reversed himself uh, just recently and said, no, we, we feel the Swedish model is the best model to emulate. <laughs> I had a laugh going, you know you, can, do you, really I mean, take, you can't trust take anything seriously? they say. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, I, I had friends that were missionaries over in China when the virus broke out in the area right near Wuhan. And what the Chinese did is they virtually locked people out of their homes. They lock they locked down the city and people would have, you know, an elderly relative, a disabled relative that was locked in the house with no one to take care of them. They had pets that were locked in the house, in the apartment, and no one was there to feed the animals. You know, yeah, fine, follow the Chinese model. That's real smart. Oh, wait a minute, isn't that what Gavin Newsom is doing to California <laughs>
4: I mean, I tell you, I
1: I wrote something for TheHill.com about this, that we can't pull a page from China's playbook to fight the Chinese virus. And unfortunately, you see Democratic mayors and governors across this country acting in uh, totally contrary to the Constitution, arbitrary power grabs. They're using Chinese drones in 22 states donated by a communist Chinese company linked that is suspected by U.S. agencies of spying on Americans and spying on our law enforcement, sending data back to China to lecture people about social distancing because of a virus that was caused by communist China, and it's unbelievable. We cannot (laughs) borrow a page from their playbook, and when you look at Andrew Cuomo, bringing in Michael Bloomberg, who's another shill for China. He's killed news stories uh, that are de- you know, negative about the Chinese Party elite, Communist Party elites there. Uh, he's going to be in charge. He's donating tens of millions of dollars for New York's so-called contact tracing program. Well, I sure hope it's not like uh, President Xi's contact tracing program who Michael Bloomberg's too scared to call him a dictator because their program is sending data to the police and they have they have a social credit system in communist China it is so Orwellian it's big brother they have no freedom there and it's we cannot we cannot have that encroach on our liberties What's you know Democrats keep saying uh, we we can't go back to normal right We've got to have a new normal. Well, normal in the United States of America is freedom and prosperity and rights guaranteed by God, not government. And Democrats too often want that to be the other way around. Well, that's not going to happen here. And, you know, the normal in America is certainly not the normal throughout human history, but we shouldn't accept any change and have it any other way.
3: Well, I had mentioned, Chris, I think at the end of this flu season, uh, we're going to see America swing more right than left. Uh, I I think the Democrats are going to be very surprised uh, once you start taking away a real, true American's freedom. uh, You're going to see things like what happened in Michigan and what's happening all over the nation. The people, of the states are rising up saying, open up our country again.
5: Yes, they are. And really... I think this is um, a moment that a lot of Democrats are going to wake up because they see most of the states that are starting to open up and start up business again and let, you know, people out of their homes are the Republican states, you know, run states. And the ones who are still in that draconian mindset are the Democrat governors and Mayors and things and I'm going to point that out every chance I get to my Democrat friends um, when I see them, but I really think a lot of them will be able to see the difference I mean the contrast is is i mean it's there stark
1: it's it's very it's very starkly different, especially when you look at what Gretchen Whitmer is doing in Michigan, so arbitrarily and punishing dissent i mean there's a reason why people you know, took to their cars and went to the Capitol and really uh, just spoke out in protest because it was so arbitrary, and they're taking away people's livelihoods, uh, making them stay home. I mean, we understand this some of the measures, but when you're forcing people to stay home, but then you say, well, you can't buy paint, you can't buy garden seed, you can't go out in your motorboat alone. I mean, this is, but, oh, you know, abortion, that's essential. And she says it's not just essential, it's, quote, life-sustaining. And this is so arbitrary. It's a Democrat power grab. And you look at the contrast with Andrew Cuomo as well in New York And then Governor DeSantis in Florida. Florida has a very vulnerable population given the number of seniors who live there. And what did Ron DeSantis do? He mobilized all his resources, all the health uh, resources he had to protect nursing homes, to protect communities where seniors live. What did Andrew Cuomo do? He had an order that nursing homes had to accept COVID patients the most vulnerable. And yet when he's asked about it at a news pre- press conference, he says, "Oh, well, I, I wasn't aware of the policy." Really? Because that's the most vulnerable population here. And of course, we've gone through, you know, the 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 mocking about the ventilators and everything else when he said, "Oh, who are going to be the 20 you choose the 26,000 uh, New Yorkers who are going to die." That wasn't true, and that was so divisive. Um, when you look at the contrast, I, I think the American people can really see a difference in leadership uh, and who delivered. And Andrew Cuomo has said, you know, President Trump has been there. He delivered. He he mobilized the USS Comfort, was there for New York City. They They built 1,200 beds at the javits center with the army corps of engineers within 48 hours I mean, the resources were tremendous uh and he's spoken very positively about that as he should but when you look at different decisions that were made uh people can really see a contrast between leadership and i think the american people aren't missing it
3: no i don't think they're stupid at all uh, but to change the subject a little bit, you know, the contrast in how we as common sense individuals uh, behave to certain situations and the left behaves. Let's take the Me Too movement with uh, creepy Uncle Joe Biden. <laughs> I mean, we've heard stories throughout his entire career of, of creepy Uncle Joe. That It's not a name that just came up overnight, and my listeners will tell you I've been calling him that for 10 years since I've been doing the show. (laughs) We've known about it, but the Me Too movement tends to ignore it if it's from a liberal, especially if he's the party's darling and presidential candidate. Whereas Brett Kavanaugh, Clarence Thomas, and numerous other people we can mention being excoriated – over false allegations, but we have a police report and a full investigation going on by the police on Creepy Uncle Joe, and yet we've got Nancy Pelosi, Stacey Abrams, Camilla Harris, and a, a Elizabeth Warren going out and saying, supporting him and not the victim.
4: Yeah, Are we mean, missing something here, Liz?
1: I mean, people just want fairness, and they want an equal standard, and sadly, we're never going to get that from the mainstream media, but in this case, it is just so stark and so clear. I mean, they were pouring over Brett Kavanaugh's yearbooks. I mean, this was so absurd, the stories, the slander that they hurled against a good man who... And you hear it now from these Democrats. All of a sudden, I didn't hear them say the words due process during the Kavanaugh affair, and yet Nancy Pelosi suddenly saying, oh, well, there's this thing called due process. Oh, really, thanks for acknowledging that. Of course there is due (laughs) process, and that's what we were arguing for this entire time presumption of innocence is very important and we need to be able to judge allegations fairly let them be heard and let people decide for themselves but the media they can't have that they want to put their thumb on the scale they want to nudge people in one direction or the other i mean you have now on its face the allegation uh, against joe biden well, at least it's plausible because there's evidence that she actually worked for him. Remember, Brett Kavanaugh, there was no evidence that Blasey Ford and him had ever even met. There was not a single person who could corroborate her story at the time. And in fact, every single person that Blasey Ford mentioned at this imaginary party all said it never Happened Well, in this case, you not only have her brother, a neighbor, a former colleague, and a friend coming out, but you also have her late mother calling in to Larry King at the time, complaining about something. So let people decide for themselves. We're not saying if it's true or not. Let Joe Biden release his records. But, oh, according to Nancy Pelosi... Joe Biden is Joe Biden. So I guess there's a different standard for Democrats. And Joe Biden now says, uh, yeah, that would not be appropriate when I'm seeking the highest public office in the land to release (laughs) my records and allow people to pour over them. Well, why not? And he specifically mentioned his conversations with Vladimir Putin. Huh, why would he mention that? I mean, after three years of wild hysteria and conspiracy theories alleging that the duly elected president of the United States was a Russian asset, well, maybe we can, you know, do a little digging into Joe Biden and what he was talking to Putin about in these records, because apparently he's concerned about them getting out because he's mentioning them. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's so amazing to see the double standard, the lack of transparency, and what we said all along was just have a fair hearing. And it's sad that the media seems incapable. The Democrats have done a complete 180. All of a sudden, you know, I believe all women, except unless you 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 accuse a Democrat. There's a big asterisk there.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, I I have to laugh because, you know. Everyone's talking about the virus, but not very many people are mentioning things like Joe Biden. Or how about General Flynn? How it was finally coming out that he was originally exonerated before they made him plead guilty. And how Comey was laughing about it in a live TV interview on how he railroaded Flynn. Comey literally admitted that he forced this man to be convicted for something he didn't even do.
1: The uh, arrogance. But, but it's it's unbelievable. Know. It is so appalling. Like uh, the new press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany, he said uh, from the podium just a little while ago, it's so true it should send a chill down every American spine. What they did to... A war hero, a three-star general. They set him up, and what's even more chilling is, are the defenders, the few people who are talking about it on the mainstream media, saying this is just, this is just procedure. This is, you know, the what you do uh, when you, uh, the FBI. That's just by the book. That's what they do. Uh, well, you know, I do believe that actually by out-of-control, power-hungry prosecutors like Andrew Weissman, power-mad FBI directors like James Comey. I mean, he said that in public, was bragging about it. "Ah, I did it because I thought I could get away with it. I don't think I would have under previous administrations, but I took advantage. They used Democrat-paid-for, disinformation, Hillary and the DNC's phony dossier, based on a bunch of Russian garbage. They used that to spy on President Trump's campaign, open these politically motivated investigations. Carter Page, he wasn't a Russian asset. He was an asset for the CIA. Now we learn they closed. They were closing the investigation into General Flynn because, of course, the dossier was nonsense, and he also was not a Russian agent. Uh, They were closing that. And what did Peter Strzok say? He said, no, 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 keep that open, keep that open. Seventh floor, the top upper echelons of the FBI said, no, we're going to then have an Oval Office meeting on January 5th, the next day, between Obama, Biden, Sally Yates, Jim Comey, Susan Rice. They spied on the Trump transition team. They spied on the Trump campaign. They spied on the transition. They leaked their phone calls of them doing their job, preparing an incoming investigation. They used it to weaponize against an incoming administration, a duly elected president of the United States, to sow chaos, undermine his new administration, and ultimately try to overthrow it through a special counsel investigation that was fraudulent that cost us almost $40 million. This is the most expensive, taxpayer-funded, biggest scandal in American political history. And the media is not covering it. And so as much as I appreciate that MSNBC finally was able to ask Joe Biden about Tara Reid today, there wasn't a question about General Mike Flynn. And there should be. Because Obama and Biden deserve to... the American people deserve to hear answers from the highest levels of that administration on what they did to President Trump it's, and, and anyone associated with him. It's unconscionable.
3: And you're not talking about just only General Flynn. They did this to you. Got to no. throw in Jerome Corsi, Roger Stone, Bob Gates. Uh, they went after KT McFarland, and they they went after numerous individuals. And every time they go after them, it costs those individuals emotionally and financially. They destroyed General Flynn financially. They destroyed his career. They ruined his family. And they've they've done this over and over again with other individuals. And there's probably people out there that we as the public are unaware of that they've also torn apart and destroyed. And there are are people that worked with the Trump uh, campaign administration that are just – Saying, don't put my name in public because I've gone through enough. They don't want to be known. You know, how many lives have they ruined and they get away with it?
1: Well, I think there's accountability coming. I really do because the crimes were committed, but on the other side. I, it's so clear, these notes. They were sitting on these notes for years, there were side deals going on with general Flynn's first attorney and the special counsel's office and the fbi's job is to investigate crimes not commit them and not go around looking and inventing them and that's what they were doing here no one's ever been prosecuted for the logan act it's probably unconstitutional and it's absurd and it should have never been used but it's there right in the notes. They say, uh, should we, what's the goal here? Truth or admission? And in this case, you know what the, he would be admitting to, General Flynn? To doing his job as incoming national security advisor and talking to other dignitaries of foreign states? That was his job. So they either wanted to get him to admit to doing his job or get him to lie, prosecute him, and get him fired. And, well, that's exactly what they did. And it is just so deceptive and manipulative, and it cannot happen in this country. It's the biggest fraud perpetrated on the American people. And the sad thing is polling out there still suggests that people believe the Steele dossier. It was a bunch of lies made up by the Hillary Clinton campaign. And, you know, speaking of asking Biden and uh, tracking down Obama on the golf course while he's breaking quarantine and Michelle's lecturing the rest of us, why don't we track down Hillary Clinton? She was just talking to Joe Biden, of course, and coincidentally, right after he's credibly accused of sexual assault, he brings in Hillary, who certainly uh, knows a lot about cleaning up those messes. Well, why don't we ask her? Where's the media asking her the damage she did? just because she lost an election. I mean, it's unbelievable what they did, but I think there will be accountability. There is an ongoing investigation. There was criminal leaking. They set up, they fabricated an email to even open the spy warrants against the Trump campaign. There is so much lies and deceit that the Obama administration perpetrated against members of the Trump campaign and the president himself there must be accountability because otherwise there's going to be no credibility left for the Department of Justice.
3: You know, we'll have to wait for uh, Durham's uh, report coming out, but Bob Barr, uh, I'm waiting for him to see him do something. He's waiting for that report, isn't
1: he? Well, I mean, unlike Susan Rice, who had to send an email to herself claiming that this was all being done by the book, (laughs) Certainly not any book I would ever want to read. Um, Attorney General Barr is a man that respects the law and has the highest opinion of the Department of Justice, and nothing, and he's spent his life, dedicated his life to that institution. And there's nothing he wants to see more than having their integrity and credibility restored. So he is the man to get to the bottom of this. And I have absolutely the utmost faith in Attorney General Barr. He's put in the right people, and it will be done correctly. They're not going to invent a crime if it's not there, but they're not going to give anyone a pass either just because there's a D after their name, or they're a never-Trumper, or they're corrupt. I mean, You've seen it over and over. What's so chilling? And you got to remember that just what was the, the double standard? Talk about the Kavanaugh affair. Look at what the FBI because there was a candidate that was actually under legitimate investigation because she was actually accused of a real crime, mishandling classified information with a bathroom server while she was Secretary of State. And what did Peter Strzok and Lisa Page say? Going into that interview, which, of course, Jim Comey had already written up her exoneration months before, Lisa Page said, this could be the next president of the United States. The last thing we need is us going in loaded for bear. And yet, and of course, they, they, they nothing ever came of it. You know, she wasn't charged with anything. They were all given immunity. There, nothing ever happened. And what did they say going in to interview a three-star general who's dedicated his life to this country uh, should be, maybe we should, you know, see if we can get him to lie and get him fired and get him prosecuted. I mean, look, look at the difference and it's clear for all to see.
3: It is very clear. And, you know, it's coming out, you know, Hillary Clinton, some of news outlets are starting to report on Hillary Clinton's collusion with Russia, but I don't ever see her being prosecuted. I don't, I don't, think uh, they will allow her to be, because if they do, I think a lot more stuff is going to come out be- between her and the Panetta brothers and her uh, that nonprofit, the Clinton Foundation. A lot of stuff will start being stirred up if they ever do, and I don't think mainstream media wants that to happen.
1: Well, the ju- justice was certainly served at the ballot box in November 2016. I mean, Hillary Clinton will never be president of the United States, and that is a great thing.
2: Well, cause there
3: was rumors that someone said that they were going to get uh, Michelle to run, and I don't think she's going to do that. She- they're making too much money over at Netflix. And all yeah, I don't see that happening. All this... <laughs> Well but I love this Liz. They were gonna do all these documentaries on famous people. So what's the latest documentary they're they're doing? Michelle Obama. Talk about
1: an ego. Come on. The first, you know, reality T V president. It certainly wasn't President Trump, it was President Obama.
3: I called him the the American Idol president. <laughs> is that show still on? I don't even know. Showing my age. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Now we also have uh, new hats going into the ring for the presidential election. Uh, Justin Amash, and now uh, what the heck is his name? Uh, the governor. Um, the wrestler. Oh, I just had a brain fart. Oh my goodness. Uh, the wrestler from Michigan. Oh, uh, oh, why am I having a brain bar here? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Jesse. Yeah,
4: Jesse.
3: Yeah, he wants to run on, uh, one is going to run on the green ticket, and the other one's going to run on the libertarian ticket. Uh, I don't think that's going (laughs) to make a dent in the Trump campaign. Do do you, Liz?
1: (laughs) No, absolutely not. Uh, It's it's, it's, who cares, you know, to be honest It's a complete joke And President Trump nailed it He's you know, he's not, he, Justin Amash isn't even Leading in his own district It's desperation, but of course Mainstream media immediately Reached out and had an interview With him, but it, it's just totally irrelevant And they're, they're not Speaking to any Portion of the American people And who are they speaking to? President Trump has delivered uh, on his promises. And it's it's really amazing to see what he was able to accomplish. And now he gets to do it again. I and mean, it's going to be the art of the comeback, right? And so we, we were hit with this unforeseen pandemic. Uh, it's going to be a monumental challenge to this country, but we're getting through it. And President Trump shows the leadership. And it, it's it, we're just blessed to have him in the White House to lead us during this time. And we're going to be back and bigger and better than
0: ever before.
3: I I agree with you. And it's funny you use the term, the comeback, uh, uh, because Trump is known for his comebacks. And you watch the lamestream media, and they're drooling over the unemployment numbers. They're gleefully reporting it. Instead of, you know, with some solemnity, saying, oh, how horrible this is for the nation, and we're praying for the nation to recover and these jobs to return. No, no, they're jumping up and down for joy because so many people are currently unemployed. But I, I see that once this it comes out of the other side, because of people staying home and doing their jobs via the Internet or other smart devices, we may see new industries pop up and maybe a record unemployment return what's your thoughts?
1: Americans innovate that's what we've always done It's because of our great freedom in this country, and we just have to give the American people a shot if There's a lesson from the you know president trump's victory in two thousand sixteen and the real successes that he was able to just completely turned this country around after eight years of just slow growth, anemic economic growth, wages weren't rising by a single penny under Obama and Biden. And their so-called recovery summer, there was never any jobs. Remember, you know, we're talking about the paycheck protection program, which to date has already saved 30 million jobs. That's literally saved jobs. But remember, The metric during the recovery summer 2009 when we spent almost a trillion dollars in their failed stimulus, well, it went from the millions of jobs they said were going to be created. They changed the metric to created or saved, right, (laughs) because they couldn't quantify (laughs) the jobs because they never materialized. Well, we're going to have a real recovery. We're going to have a real comeback once again because President Trump already did it. And it's because of that trust in the American people. It's getting government out of the way. It's making America a, an attractive place for business again. And I think you're right. I think there's it's going through. It's, we're going through a tough period by, right now. There's no mistake about that. But we are creative people, and I think there will be newer industries. There will be. Uh, create, creative means coming out of this, and I think we will be better and stronger once we get out of it. And like I said, President Trump is the right person to do it because he's already proven it. He's, he's the one who already held China accountable. He'll do it again. He's the one who already put more money in the pockets of the American people. And Look at the disposable income before this awful pandemic hit. I mean, it was up an average of five to $7,000 per household. And we can do it again. We can rebuild. And it's because of those fundamentals, the love of this country, the love of the values we all share in individual liberty, prosperity, and free markets. And that's what will get us through it. And President Trump and his leadership –
4: We're gonna we're gonna get it and
1: it's really tough. That's why it's so important we have to get back the House of Representatives because we see and you see Nancy Pelosi. She doesn't care about standing in front of her twenty four thousand dollar fridge. She's not struggling to pay the bills right now. So it was no big deal for her to say, No, I don't think so. We're not we're gonna delay more funding for the paycheck protection program. She doesn't care about the jobless numbers, but President Trump does, and he will turn it around. And that's why we have to win back the House as well, because if you really want to see that V-shaped recovery, let's get a Republican House back in there, and let's do some real good things for the American people.
3: Well, I I think there's going to be one thing – Oh, I'm sorry, Curtis, I was going to say, one thing I, I, I believe is going to happen, because so many parents are now forced to homeschool their kids, be- with all the schools closed, parents are finally realizing what type of public education that these kids are receiving and how involved some of these teachers are or are not with their children. I think there's going to be a larger push for you know uh, choice in education. And with that, if the Republicans run on educational choice, I think we'll take not just the House, the Senate. We'll knock. We'll have three quarters, I think, in both. If we push the education, it's a perfect time for Trump to knock out the teachers union.
1: If, if you look at at what Secretary DeVos has prioritized, it's absolutely crucial, and she's been talking about this for a very long time. She's one of the leading uh, supporters of charter schools and school choice. It's so important to have that freedom and allow kids to get a good education regardless of where they live and give that opportunity uh, to all Americans. It's so important. It's been such a big issue uh, around this country. It's something the Trump administration is dedicated to. And you know we we've, we've got to get those numbers up, and we can we can do it uh, with more school choice. And I think it's a h- incredibly huge issue, and it's important to voters. And I think when you look at what Republicans stand for, and uh, allowing parents that option, and not have to force them to go to a failing school, um, it, it's it's something that it's a very good winning issue for us. It's all about freedom and it's all about competition and that great American spirit. And we got to we got to teach our history again. We got to value um, uh, American history and and really delve into it because if you look some of these numbers coming out uh, and across this country it's very it's very concerning. I know Secretary DeVos is concerned about that. We need to get back to the basics. We need to get it back to reading, math, uh, and American history, some good civic learning. And unfortunately, some of those numbers are really troubling. And that's something that I know the Trump administration is absolutely committed to to working on and fixing.
2: Well, I got a funny story that
1: happened. (laughs) Oh, go go ahead,
2: Curtis. That's okay.
5: No, I was just going to add that as far as the economy on what you were saying. I think the stock market is just as eager as people um in their homes right now wanting to get back into you know the way things were before this covid nineteen I mean think about it the stock market once it was hit with this this pandemic went all the way down to like obama obama administration levels at i think eighteen thousand and we had climbed back up six thousand in the face you know like facing wind. Yeah. Pretty much, and 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 just think, once we we put this behind us, I mean, I think they're going to take off. That's all I want to add.
1: Absolutely, and I think President Trump is right about pent up demand. I mean, we we're we're doing this in a thoughtful and we're letting the governors decide a thoughtful manner in a phased approach. But that demand is there, and I think I think that President Trump, the President Trump, what his instincts, what he said. They're going to be proven right once again. He said, I think it's going to be sooner than you think, and I think it's going to be bigger than you think. And I I love that optimism. I love the confidence in Americans. And President Trump just exudes confidence in America. He always has. It's one of the reasons why so many of us voted for him in 2016 and we'll continue to support him, and that support continues to grow because it really embodies the American spirit and restoring uh, the great values of our country. It's what we believe in, and it is amazing to think. And he spoke about this too. All of that was cushion. It's incredible to think, with the stock market, was almost up to you know thirty thousand. It was closing in, which is just incredible uh, in such a short time frame, and then it went back down, as you mentioned, to those Obama-Biden levels. And now it's already gained more because I think I think the market, I think people see that confidence in leadership. I think they see the the good, smart economic advisors that President Trump has brought in. And I think they're confident that President Trump is going to be reelected. I don't think they see a threat in Joe Biden at all. We certainly don't. And I think they know people see, looking at the markets and looking at the future and projecting things, they know with a reelected President Trump, there's just no stopping us. There's just There won't be. We'll get through this. We're going to beat back this horrible disease. Uh, and we'll be bigger and better than ever before, and we'll get even more amazing pro-growth, pro-free market policies through in a second term we'll get on the path to physical sanity as well we'll, we'll be responsible with our our debt I mean, there's so many things we can do in the second term and i think that's what the market's looking at as well and i think i think they should be optimistic i certainly am
3: well you know one thing that trump is doing with this epidemic um, is that he's putting things in place that should, in the future, we have another circumstance similar to this, he's already got the mechanisms in place. Whether he's president or someone else is in president, we're ready. And that, I think, is really important about what he's doing. He's keeping his promises, but he's also looking to our future and protecting our future.
1: Absolutely. And the contrast couldn't be more clear. You know, in the past couple of weeks, trump administration got rid of an obama era obama biden era emission standard regulation that was so onerous on our car industry that added an average of three thousand dollars per new car so that's think of the i mean people felt it i remember remember cash for clunkers where they took off you know, millions of cars off the road that were usable and killed them with an environmentally unfriendly engine killer, and they disabled them and crushed them, and who knows where the metal all went into our landfills. I mean, that program was such a monstrosity. And yet what what did Nancy Pelosi try to put in her bill when she delayed the first aid package and was trying to get the Green New Deal? She wanted cash for clunkers for airplanes. I mean, that's how out of touch (laughs) these people are. But President Trump, he just rolled that back. And here you have Joe Biden talking last week with Al Gore, bragging about how they want to ban the internal combustion engine. They want to ban the common family car. And so these policies, they're just job killers. Uh, They'd hike your taxes. They would destroy They would have destroyed the economy before the pandemic. You know, the the policies that they proposed would cost us millions of jobs. And, again, I'll say it again, the lesson that we can't learn from this pandemic, we can't see the, the absolute misery that central planning in communist China caused and say, well, now's our opportunity for central planning here in America, Because that's what the Green New Deal is. It's nothing more. It's the same thing that they had in the Soviet Union. It's the same thing they have in communist China. It's been tried all over the world, and it always brings misery and destruction. And just look what China has done just now. And so it's really chilling to see Joe Biden fist-pumping an agreement when Al Gore gleefully talks about Killing, you know, the entire uh, family car, <laughs> killing the economy, banning fossil fuels, talking about all this central planning and retrofitting fitting every single home in the United States. I mean, it's a total pipe dream, and it will never happen, but they don't believe in pipelines either. I mean, they're just completely for job-killing policies uh, that would be so disastrous for this country, especially in a time where we need to rebuild.
3: Absolutely. And what I find amazing is that people in urban areas that have been hit by this virus really hard are flocking out of there and coming to suburban and rural areas. They're going, to, they're going to have a rude waking up because they're not going to be able to step out their front door and hail a Uber or a taxi. You know, if you do try to get one, it, they'll tell you, oh, we'll be there in about an hour, hour and a half. Good luck. There is going to be a boom. In the auto industry, whether it's used cars or new cars, they're going to suddenly realize if you live in these areas, you must have a car. Hopping on a bike to go to the store is not something that unless you're willing to go 10 miles. I mean, my nearest grocery store is seven miles away from my home, and I don't mind because I want to live here. I choose, but they're coming here to a lifestyle they're not going to be ready for. This is going to be a huge waking up of people.
1: Well, I think it is. I think it's a big wake-up call to a lot of Americans who, you know, just didn't realize. They didn't realize that 90% of our antibiotics and core medicines come from China. They didn't realize that we're relying on hostile regimes for uh, necessities, you know, let alone, you know, you can talk about the cheap electronics and everything else and you can debate that from an economic standpoint but we're talking about millions of jobs that have gone to china just they've decimated our manufacturing core uh since they the clintons let them into the world trade organization and people are really realizing that a lot of americans already knew it um it was again one of the big reasons why president trump won in 2016 because of these disparities, because of previous administrations just selling America out uh, to the rest of the world. And, you know, it's something that President Trump has been committed to. He's been working on it. They've had several executive orders long before this pandemic that incentivize the government to buy American, which will, you know, ramp up more production and give more competition and really incentivize manufacturing here. That's going to continue, and that's going to be a huge priority going forward and, and it always has been and it conti- will continue and i think you'll see more and more americans waking up to that fact
3: well one of the things he has done because of this pandemic he was able to finally streamline the process with the fda approving uh procedures uh protocols and medicines
1: right you to know, try be- absolutely It used to take
3: years and years and years, and people were dying because they couldn't have access to any of these things. And he said to the FDA, that's it. We're not doing it that way anymore.
1: And it's really emblematic, again, of what this president believes in, you know, that fighting chance. And it's a pro-life position, and he supported it before with Right to Try, which is an incredible piece of uh, legislation that the president signed into law gives people the option. Just give them that choice and give them a chance. And that's what President Trump, I love that mindset. He really embodies it. He wants a fighting chance for this country. And when we have a fighting chance, we win.
3: Absolutely. Liz, it has been a blast having you on. Uh, You're always fun to talk to, and I want to thank you for the hard work that you do uh, in helping (laughs) this nation move forward. Just even being here is is a huge help.
1: Thank you so much for having me. You take care.
3: You too. Thank you, Liz. And people can find you at GOP.com, correct?
1: Yes, GOP.com. Go to ArmyForTrump.com as well, and you can volunteer and sign up because – Trump train
4: still rolling on. All
3: right. God bless. Take care, Liz. Check it. Liz Harrington, also at the Washington Free Beacon. My mouse is acting up. I must need a new battery in it or something. But uh, there's so much that that she put on the plate for us here. You know, she's so informative and such a lovely lady to talk to.
2: Yeah.
5: Very knowledgeable.
3: Absolutely. Now Now we're waiting for – go ahead.
5: I was going to say, I wish I could answer her thoughts on um, our buddy Rocketman over there, what happened to him, but we ran out of time.
3: <laughs> yeah, has anyone heard about Rocket Man? You know, I, I'm hearing so many different uh, rumors. Also, I was hearing that um, possibility that his sister would succeed him if they follow uh, what they've done in the past, you know, went from... Father to son, father to son, but now there's no more sons, would it go to his daughter? Yeah. Hmm.
5: I wish we could get some more insight on Ken Jones. Hmm.
3: Well if it's anyone's got a getting out there, you know, post it up in the chat room or over on Facebook, because uh, 'cause I'm watching on both to see what people are posting. And I want to thank everyone for joining us here. I uh, wanna reiterate that we are now carried on I Heart. So if you're having a problem accessing the show, whether you're, you're checking out Facebook or YouTube or Stitcher or Spreaker or half the other places we are, um, you got the iHeart app. You can catch the show on iHeart. So that is something, Brad, I, I wasn't aware of it. <laughs> Just fooling around with, you know, doing searches on iHeart, I found myself. <laughs> so we're on iHeart, guys.
5: Hey, we That's might so be exciting. on some other platforms out there. Just never know.
3: Mm, Absolutely so we do have our next guest in on the studio let me bring him up on the line and I want to welcome back to the show a friend that he was one of my first authors I interviewed I shouldn't say one of the first but it was seven years ago I think that was the first time I ever spoke with you Michael and interviewed you so I want to welcome Michael Dougherty the author of the devil inside the beltway Michael Dougherty welcome aboard.
0: Well, good to be back. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs>
3: yeah, it I, I had a, I actually had to pull up your book and look at the inside flap to remember you know how long ago have we we we've known each other it's actually I can't six years it. yeah
0: because it came out it came out in September of uh, thirteen but I wasn't running on media heavy until fourteen because lots of things were happening in the end of thirteen that were surprises my dad was in hospice and the, the government sued me and all this crazy stuff was going on so uh, the book came out and then. Everything went nuts, and so the media really didn't start till 14.
3: Well, it's still going nuts for you now. Yeah. Um, I understand that uh, you recently won a lawsuit, uh and now you're going after an insurance company for paying out a settlement that you did not agree to.
0: Yeah. So um, the more you know about the story, the more outrageous this is. Um, you know, law um, we. Corporations come into state state uh, legislatures, and state legislatures are, are full of people that w- have full time jobs and get paid hardly anything to do that, and are only do- doing like three or four months a year. And it's utterly amazing what corporations and industries get away with. And the insurance industry has really—I mean, Georgia law is, is so extreme. Uh, it's like why even have insurance? Because they can do whatever the heck they want. And one of the things that the law, poorly written law, does, is in Georgia they say, well, you know, if you're an insurance carrier, <clears throat> you, they had a, they passed a law. They said insurance carrier wants to settle, and if it's below the limits of the policy, they can do it, even if the and the insured says no. Now that's usually for cases like a car accident where you really did have a car accident, really did have the stuff, and they just want to have it over with because it's cheaper. So pay and go away. And even though we're taught that justice is what we're going after, pay and go away is really what 90 times, 99 times of this thing does. You know, it's just all money. So, but that's different when you have a defamation case, and Georgia understood what happened there. When that happened, uh, Georgia changed the law a few years later because they said, well, wait a minute, when you do settle – you have to at least consider the interests of the insured. Well, I have a different case that the law wasn't really built to apply to, but it, but it covers, and that is a defamation case where Robert Bobek, the crook, the guy who is called a liar by the Eleventh Circuit and 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 the the uh, ALJ at the FTC and you know the the House Oversight Committee of the United States and the New Yorker article, this guy who has the gall to use the backwoods court system in Pennsylvania, which is a real embarrassing thing. They have no anti-slap litigation there, and, and no one's really held accountable for corruption in Pennsylvania. That's why they have the AG in jail and Jerry Sandusky and 300 priests accused of pedophilia. There's no accountability for the corrupt in Pennsylvania. It's just a thriving place for that. And so he could sue me when there's no legal hit back for doing that and so he did and it dragged on and on and on and on and the case has gone on for years because the judge let the case sit there and rot and that's how judges get kill cases they let them just go stale and rot and so, um, finally, once we started really going uh, this earlier, a year ago, where we and, – and so the insurance carrier was spending a couple hundred thousand dollars a month because they sell the policy as an unlimited defense. It's an unlimited defense policy, and unlimited means unlimited. But they also <laughs> know what they're doing because they've done this 5,000 times, and I've done it once. And they interpret the law saying, well, you know what, they can take my interests in heart and settle in the cases in my interest, and they want to save millions of dollars. So they cut a check to Robert Baubach for $750,000, gave him a check, the crook, the bad guy that's done all these things. They gave him three-quarters of a million dollars to drop his case against me and go away. And they filed that dismissal. Look- Hours before the courts were closed on COVID nineteen, so as soon as the courts reopen, we'll be fighting that. But well, now, got people money.
3: have to understand. People have to understand what has happened to you. You were a business owner. You employed about forty people. You ran a medical lab which specialized in testing uh, for cancer. And doctors would send the samples over, and that was your specialty. But you also handled others. And this was a number of years ago when there was uh, something out there called LimeWire, which was a file-sharing program where people could usually just get share music between each other. And it wasn't, you didn't think of anything of it, but you had a policy there that the computers in your business were to be used only for business. Right. You, you can't go surfing the Internet looking and downloading stuff. You, you told people that. Somehow or other, someone downloaded an MP3 file which opened the door to this guy, Bobek.
0: Well, no, the, and, and, and that's what we thought happened years ago. But let me tell you, we discovered in the past year that we should have discovered years ago, but the courts wouldn't allow us discovery. And that is, that's not what happened. We just thought that's what happened. What we thought happened for years is because Bobek said, you've got LimeWire on your computer, and we did. And he went in and he took that file but he he said he found it in cyberspace, and he said someone else must have taken it. But through discovery, we found out that he came in and took it with his software. He came in and took it, and then he went and um, and, and then tried to extort us. But what we found out in the past year is that he wasn't taking it with his tools. He wasn't taking it with publicly available tools. He wasn't taking it with his tools that he created and promoted, he was taking it with software that was given to him by the FBI that was used for child porn searches only in FBI investigations. And they gave that to him to use in investigations. And when he was not working in the investigations, his employee was searching and stealing using that super powerful software. And that's how they got it. And that's why everything else didn't make sense until we figured that out. That's why there was no victims. There was no evidence of it being anywhere. There were no fingerprints anywhere. Because it wasn't taken because of LimeWire, and it wasn't taken with LimeWire. That was just a convenient red herring that the government and the crook threw out, and everybody chased it. And we've only now, gotten to the truth a year ago.
3: Now, this guy Bob um, is Robert Bobek is, is a character? He was a practicing chiropractor, but you know he was—he's a con guy. He's a con man. He wanted to be. He's a, very uh, good. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I was reading this article you sent me, uh, which was up in the New Yorker magazine uh, that people can find, It's titled "A Cybersecurity Firm's Sharp Rise and Stunning Collapse." So here this guy was watching 60 Minutes one day, and Leslie Stahl gets up there with a news item about LimeWire, about pirating movies. And this, that time was really big in the 2003. You know, a lot of people were just getting computers for the first time, learning about surfing the Internet, downloading movies that were actually pirated movies. It was around the time... Um, I remember they were starting to have Hollywood go, wait a minute, we've got to have some protection against these pirated movies. Uh, so he came up with the idea of starting this cybersecurity firm and help Hollywood protect their movies. And that's how we started that company, Travessa,
0: right? Trivessa, correct.
3: And so with that... He was then able to try to expand it, and he tried to sell it to Hollywood without much success. Then he said, well, why don't we do this with the government? And he went in and did a little fiddling around and got a Supreme Court justice's Social Security number and then approached the government saying, hey, listen, I was able to surf the Internet and download this.
0: You need security. Right. It's so easy how he fooled everyone in the government. It's unbelievable. I mean, he 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 started with Orrin Hatch. He ends up at the CIA. He's in Langley at the top of the government, and then because they want to see, because because they 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 think people are stealing and breaking inside the government, taking the government secrets, so all the military and the intelligence people go crazy. And then he he figures out that he's got something. He, that he sees the hot angle, and he starts going after. And, t- and trying to find, quote-unquote, files that are of value out there to companies who are responsible to keep it secure and charging for services to make sure stuff's not out there. It wasn't going so great till, so he started to cheat. So he started to pull in – he started to go out and pull files down that he went into computers and took, but he was telling people that he found them and he was changing the metadata, he was changing the data trail on it, so that it would look like it came from out in cyberspace or someone else took it. When it was he that was just going in the computers, taking it, it's like this, it's like, I reach into your house, I take your television, I put it out in the street, and you don't see that. I knock on your door with your television and go, here, I found your television. We do security work, would you like to hire me to make sure this doesn't happen again? And so that's
3: what this he did. Is exactly, exactly what he also did to you. And then right. he calls you up and says, "Hey, listen, I found all these patients' information out there on the internet. When in fact, you went into your computer system, stole the patient information, and then tried to extort you. And you told him to go pound sand. And then he turns around and rats you to the FTC because he's got all these big government connections." and then gets you called before the FTC, and they try to charge you with criminal charges.
0: Not criminal charges, civil violation of the FTC Act. And then that's where you run into a C. This is when you're into the deep, deep state. The deep, these are lifelong lawyers, you know, often, often coming from the echo chamber laboratory of Harvard Law, who have never been out in the real world, who think they're saving the world, who, who think they're way smarter than they are, and they go after companies that are leaking things. And this is the very beginning of the whole Internet. So we have people that are really stupid, stupid, that don't understand technology, that have the power to, to manage regulation of it. So they didn't care. Even if you said to him, that guy's a crook, he stole it. To them that was irrelevant because they're like – crook or no crook you left it vulnerable so of course a crook is going to take it who the crook is is unimportant you left it vulnerable you're responsible now here's your choice with the government roll over and let your reputation get tarnished or pay them off to make them go away and then people think you did something that you didn't do if you don't roll over they are massive in their procedural power, because the congresses of the twentieth century have stripped the American public of their power and their rights, stripped them they all um they all they they all were on um the, i'm sorry, I lost my concentration they, they're all um they they don 't have any rights in in, in due process, you don't have any rights to go to a court when they're screwing you to the wall. The, the, the Congress has said basically when an agency comes at you, you cannot uh, – no one can intervene for them until they're done with their, with their actions against you. And that takes years and millions. So your lawyer is telling you, yes, I know you're innocent. That doesn't matter. You're stuck in the crosshairs. You're stuck in the overreach. Your choice is basically – You can fight it, and here's what you have to know to fight it. It's going to cost millions. The media is going to say bad things about you. People are going to think you're guilty because you're accused. You're going to get a judge probably in Washington who who is going to give great deference to the government. No one's going to believe the corruption you see, and the media won't report it. And after all that's done, you'll still be standing there. So it's time to swallow it, do the smart thing, sign the 20-year investigative consent decree, and move on. And almost everybody does. Almost everybody does. I didn't because it was, they were destroying a cancer detection center, and what they didn't understand is they're going to destroy us either way. If I sign that consent decree, my competition was going to take that all over the place, and believe me. No one believes you're innocent when you sign an agreement with the government to be investigated over those practices for 20 years. No one. I never had anyone believe me until after I started winning cases two years ago, really. People would want to hear the story in a lot of media areas because I was willing to speak up against the government in a very clear way, and most people won't. But really believing we did nothing wrong, no way. When you've got to bring the witch's broom, you've got to show them what really happened. And so to to clear yourself truly when the government comes at you just takes a decade and millions. So we spent $16 million in court costs. I had raised a whole bunch of pro bono stuff. The company's been gone for six years. There's none bringing that back. So there's no winning. You just go through life, and you rebuild, and you reinvent yourself. Uh, but the big, purpo- the big thing is people need to know that this is how our government runs. So last night I was watching Tucker Carlson, and my head was spinning because Tucker was up there and furious about what happened to, to Mike Flynn. But what he said bothered me because he said – I've known about this case for years. We haven't covered it that closely. We're not that close to Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn's not the point. But it's amazing that, you know, your government will do this. The FBI, with no accountability, entrapped and made stuff up, and it took this type of Herculean effort to get any clearance for this guy. They can and they will destroy you. He's shocked by that. Okay, so the media, even at Fox, I couldn't get on Sean Hannity or Laura Logan – or I mean Laura, um, Laura Ingram or Tucker or Bill O'Reilly or Megyn Kelly to save my life because it was too complicated, too hard to believe. And so – and I saw this as Epiphany. I'm like, oh, my gosh. No wonder – these people don't get it. This is, not, this is not a one-off. This has been going on for years. This is what they do, but it, they didn't. They got really cocky this time. They strolled into the White House and did it. They had so little respect for Donald Trump. They took their typical playbook, typical playbook, that they pick on the the non-famous and the unrich, and they tried it right in the White House. And even doing that, it's taken three years to expose. And when I'm so I was like going, oh, my gosh, Tucker Carlson surprised by this. The top media people are <laughs> – I'm like, oh, we're just – oh, boy. We're in trouble. No wonder it's so easy to get away with murder in Washington. No one believes you when you say something rad, bad.
3: And the one thing is they did not expect you to continue fighting, and you're still fighting them. And you're, you, you have not let up at all. I no, I haven't,
0: because it's seven, 700,000 cancer patients. And you've got these judges that don these robes and take these O's and stroll around like they're, you know, anointed bishops of a religion who don't pay attention and don't read their briefs and, and worry about who's going to promote them to their next seat and know how to twist the law like Taffy and have no accountability. I have met, I've had three phenomenal judges, and the list of nightmare judges is way longer. It's appalling. It's all tied to no accountability. You know, is Comey going to go uh, to jail? It, you know.
3: I would only hope so, but I doubt it.
0: You know, That's right. And, and
3: when, you watch, when you watched him, when they played back the, the, cut, the tapes from his TV interview in front of a live audience, the way he smirked and admitted that I got away with it simply because I knew I could. I couldn't do it with previous presidents, previous administrations, but I knew I could now. And the audience laughed with him. I looked at my husband and I said, who laughs at, do, at, at forcing someone to uh, take a plea deal because you're threatening his son, you're threatening his family, You're forcing him to do something knowing that it's completely wrong and a lie and you laugh, you destroy the man's life and you laugh at it.
0: That's right. But that's these people. It's theater. Okay, these people have never worked in real life. They've never toiled the soil. They've never built the business from scratch. They've never done any of it. They they come out, they hop from college to a law firm, to a government gig, and they're always in, they're institutionalized, which means they're desensitized. And all they have is their self-concept, and you threaten their self-concept, that's war. And I knew that about the FTC, which is why I went for it. I knew they are so thin-skinned and their egos are so huge, because they know they're frauds, that I went right for it. And that's why I wrote the book the way I wrote the book, Like a Novel. But they all think it's see, there's no empathy in Washington. There is no empathy in Washington. The place there should be the most empathy, the place that's surrounded by memorials and Abe Lincoln and Jefferson and everything else, is such an extreme hypocrisy. It would, it's too much to understand. It's too much for people to take in in one bite. Because what has what we've built there, and it started with Woodrow Wilson, it started in the uh, the, uh, the 20th century, and it's built and morphed like a you know well, slow growing I'm tumor a, that's now well, gotten I'm huge is this entire culture of these corrupt people that they know they they ignore other people 's corruption because they they're 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 invested already in the d c world and they can 't leave it and it's and when it all goes great it's great you know you get to play important, you get to feel important you get to make a decent living, and your enemy today could be your boss in two decades, so you just look down and Mind your own business. So no one gets held accountable. And that's true in Congress. Until Daryl Issa, the House Oversight Committee, is the House Cover-Up Committee. And it still is back that way today. It's just theater for the public. They don't actually – like it's like an unwritten agreement. Republicans got the power. We don't hold you accountable. Democrats got the power. We don't hold you – accountable until Issa showed up. And he paid the price. So it is, you know, people have to yeah. understand this is insider versus outsider, way more than left and right. But the left is much more played by this than the right, because by nature, the left thinks government's an answer. And, uh, you know, they don't understand centralized power and corruption. So you you listen to them today, you know, this week, listen to the left go on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Biden did this. Biden did that. Yeah, but so did, so what? So did Trump. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's People are amazing wow. Yeah, I was going to say
5: that um, A lot of Americans, those over 50 I would say They lost confidence in um, Washington Over the um, the Kennedy brothers' assassination Martin Luther King and Watergate they just don't trust government
0: Well, you should never trust government That's the thing, if you read the Federalist Papers Or what the Founding Fathers thought the foundation of the whole thing is don't trust anybody. <laughs> I mean, really, it's like when people get absolute power, when, they, when a human being, his politics is irrelevant. When his, you know, if you look at government as like the mothership, you're dead. If you look at that, I mean, they are just supposed to be something to be controlled so they don't oppress you. You know, but, but, they, but the shameless people, especially when Woodrow, Wildes, Woodrow Wilson unleashed the administrative states, so you have all these unelected bureaucrats that started multiplying like jackrabbits, and they fooled the public because they fooled the downtrodden. We're going to help you, women, minorities, uneducated. We're going to help you. You know, and they had no track record. Let's see how they've helped now. they got one heck of a track record. You know, so it's all well, about, know, it, it, huh? Sorry, I was going to say, ahead.
3: you know, it's also about uh, not just about power, but there's something to a person when they're a bully, and that's what we have. We have a bunch of people that are bullies in powers of position, feeling that they are far more superior, far more knowledgeable, and capable of ruling than we peons down here. We're too stupid, so we have to be led by the hand. And oh, by the way, don't watch the hands, because while I'm leading you one way, I'm picking your pocket the other way and profiting from it, which is what it's all about, power and money.
0: And keeping a bag over your head. And so there hasn't been a civics book that has – I mean, the second Jimmy Carter created the Department of Education, there went the ship, because now – they get control the education narrative going in the brains of children, which means civics courses evaporated. Um, people two, 300 years ago the, that owned a slave are vilified and the baby goes out goes out with the bathwater. Unless you want to take it and create the show Hamilton and make sure it's just minorities in the group, then it's a universal truth. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, folks, you're kind of like missing the whole point. <laughs> but, you know... Back in the Founding Fathers, they knew, like, judges were supposed to police other judges. They naively assumed that would happen. Judges don't police other judges. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just a nightmare. You know, and um, it's, it's it's just crazy. And, you know, people think the Supreme Court corrects lower court error. That hasn't happened in 100 years. So, and so judges at, at a, national, a federal level can know the, the odds of them getting overturned are so slim because the Supreme Court accepts 2 3% of the cases that are from this, not because of an egregious error. But we don't know this because we're not taught anything because we haven't had an accurate civics book in a century. The civics books that were taught it was 19th century government, not 20th century government. And if you taught a civics book now that was accurately portraying what's going on in the powers that are all over the place – you would have such a, 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 a dichotomy of a of, of, of story. You'd be having, you know, I cannot tell. I cut down the cherry tree. You know, the people, uh, you know, people run everything. To you've got no due process. You've got no rights because I say so. Because I'm an expert and this is an agency. And, uh, you know, it, so that spawned a whole nightmare. And so what you have is these generations that have no education about government. And isn't it easy to just lead a fool? It's not their fault. You know, we've sewn bags over everyone's head until it explodes. And right now we're kind of at an explosive level with COVID and Trump. These things are shattering uh, our illusions at a rapid pace that it's so hard to take in. You know, we're seeing how weak our medical infrastructure is. We're seeing how weakened it was. We're seeing how the – there is no such thing as an accurate media. It doesn't exist. Those people are campaign managers, you know. And uh, we're seeing how – the Chinese lie and the globalists go kumbaya and who's run by a bunch of, you know, fascist communists. (laughs) And I'm sorry, folks, that's the way it is. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because if you call
3: it the Wuhan virus or the Chinese virus, you're a racist. But when we know for a fact, it came out of a specific lab traced back to the very first uh, person that caught the virus because of the lab, uh, We also have a a Nobel Peace Prize scientist that studied the virus and has actually said there is a RNA strain, an RNA ribbon that has been sliced into the virus that is an AIDS virus. So we know it was altered by a human being. It was released from the lab, whether accidentally or on purpose. We, We may never know. But if we call it the Chinese virus, we're racist instead of speaking to the truth.
0: Well, the thing is, regardless of how, you know, the regardless of what that says, the fact is we've had a bag put over our heads. And, And to me, game over right there. I mean, so you let the hellers out of the barn, you know, tell anybody. And so he has all that time to spread everything. And spread, it did. And there's a multiplier effect with these things. So, you know, it is – I mean, the funny thing is I go on and on and on about this stuff, and it would be called extreme, although there's a very different uh, reception level in in the public now for this story, and there's a lot less um, pushback. I wouldn't say there's less fear, but there's a lot – people understand something's wrong but unfortunately most people don't understand what to do and i didn't understand what to do until i actually saw it for my own two eyes to watch a lawyer walk into a medical laboratory who barely has you know passed you know biology and has no knowledge of what he's destroying and watch him just do it anyway And then watch all the pillars of power look the other way. And they all justify that they're trying to save us through cybersecurity. And then you find out he's been working with a criminal. And then he knows he's been working with a criminal. And they don't care that they're working with a criminal. And and then you see the mass carnage and destruction. And then when you expose the mass carnage and destruction, you expect someone to do something about it. But the FBI won't do a thing about it. And no one will put him in jail. And that's because the FBI and the Justice Department were the co-conspirators with him. So if they did try to put him in jail, they'd have to be up there, too, because they work with him. They gave him the weapon, It's the fast and furious of cybersecurity. And the, the problem with this is, doesn't that sound crazy? Just like doesn't it sound crazy that Comey would send two... Un, you know, uh, unspecified uh, FBI goons into the White House to talk to Flynn and to not say why and act like they're just there to shoot the bull when they're there to really entrap him and force him into a, a situation where he has to resign or go to jail because they're threatened that he's going to find out everything they've been doing the past few years because they thought it was going to be President Hillary. So you know, oh, but that doesn't that sound crazy? And the fact that it sounds crazy, so that no one will do anything about it, is a huge defense for these people. So they, they, yep. when they do get caught, they just wait until the, the hurricane passes.
3: Yeah, as soon as the next administration comes in, they go back to business as usual because they know there's not going to be a purge, and that's right. one thing that I, the I public I, forgets. I, yeah, I, I screamed and ranted and raved when Trump came in. I said he's got to clean house right away, everyone out. It's
0: impossible. And
3: even which yeah, once you get a bureaucrat in a position, you never get that person out.
0: No, and once, once you give you the you government get power, a, you never give it away. Look what's going on with COVID. They're, they're like, they're taking personal property away from people. And and it's so, and, and and there's no pushback. And if you push back on that, you got 10 neighbors that, that are yelling at you that you don't care about disease spread that go to the MSNBC School of Medicine. They're idiots. You know, And you can't, you can't, you know, you just have to wait that out. But it's, it's like this pu- the public right now, because they don't understand the Constitution, because they don't understand the concept of separation powers, because they have been intentionally kept a bag over the head, they're, they're like, take my civil rights, please. Thank you. Thank you for taking my rights. <laughs> it's crazy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because um, my sister lives up in, in New York and uh, between her and her husband, they had only one mask. So they could only leave the house one at a time. They couldn't go out anywhere together. Or, you know, even He's a pastor. Even to go to church or something like that, they couldn't do anything. Of course, the churches are closed anyway. So I just sent her. I made some, and I sent them up there. But the fact that these masks are mandatory when we know they accomplish nothing, uh, it, and then people fall for it. You know, Cuomo says it's the law. You must. Well, excuse me, who passed that law? Did it go to the New York State House and then to the New York State Senate for you to then sign into law? I don't recall that process happening, but yet you get arrested if you don't have a mask on. They use regulations as if they are, in fact, a law.
0: Well, because what are you going to do to fight it? Spend millions and time. I mean, it's really—it's—it's. It's, um, you know, I, I got to kind of temper what goes on because you don't want to get people too depressed. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> but we do need people to face reality. And I do see callers coming into the studio switchboard. If you want to ask a question of our guest, Michael Gardy, the author—the author of *The Devil Inside the Beltway*. Uh, please press 1, otherwise I will make the assumption that you're only listening in. You know, we have – the left has said never let a good crisis go to waste, and this is precisely what they've done, and allowed the media also to fan the flames to give them an excuse to grab even more power and take away more of our uh, constitutional rights.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think – the, the media really is is, is just. Um, you did just say the media, correct? Did I hear you correctly? Correct.
4: Yeah, yes, I was I like,
0: the media, the media is. I mean, the media is 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 another. It's a, it's an abscess. It's a complete abscess. I mean, they're just they're their own entity, and there's no such thing as journalism. And they're a business to get eyeballs, and nothing. Uh, and eyeballs is dirty laundry, a shock story, or picking your audience and just echoing what those people want to hear. And liberals are very rabid. Anyone on extreme both sides can be very rabid. And you know, you can make a lot of money just telling those people what they want to hear. They know you're lying to them. They don't care. They want to hear it. They want to hear whatever racist oppression spin thing is out there, and what that does is that harms those real things. you know it harms real abusive women, it harms real racism. because people get insensitive and numb, and they feel helpless, they don 't know what to do with it, and then they don 't trust you if you 're if you're cr- calling crying wolf too much and so it, you know, it, it shows they 'll exploit anything in any situation even the sick and the weak and this covid crisis is no exception it's just another another bike to hop on to get someplace
3: and they're using it in so many different ways and passing so many different regulations as if they are laws you have uh, mayor de blasio telling the christians your churches will stay shuttered if you and I will permanently close them. Uh, excuse me, when did you have the right to violate the First Amendment of the Constitution by denying me the free practice of my faith? And then he tells the Jewish community, the Orthodox Jewish community, you cannot gather for a funeral. If you do, I will send the police out to arrest you. Uh, yet what law? Tell me, What? When? when was the law changed saying that, I could not gather with the family members to bury a parent or a sibling or a child. Yeah, you know, when did you tell us that we couldn't even uh, the Jewish community? No other community, but only the Jewish community cannot
0: do this. Did you say that of the Muslim Yeah, community? and then, and 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 where was the outrage? Where 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 was Where's the quiet bigotry? About that? Where was that? Where was the quiet bigotry? Oh yeah, unbelievable unbelievable. You know, now, just think if he did that to a Muslim ceremony. <laughs> Holy cow, the they'd be Ramadan. lighting in the streets.
3: <laughs> it's the time of Ramadan when the Muslims are going to gather together. Let's see if he says anything about that. Hmm, interesting. I doubt it. I doubt that. But, you know, we're allowing things to be put in place uh, our own governor here in South Carolina, who happens to be a conservative, took a lot of heat because he turned around and said, uh, we're not going to allow anyone to go out onto the water. You're not allowed to go out to the beaches. You're not allowed to go golfing. And the cry was like, wait a minute. We're out there in the fresh air. We are practicing safe distancing because we're out there doing stuff that requires you to be apart from other people. So why? And he finally backed down on that but this this is the stupidity and the power grip. Even people that have well-intentioned don't understand the unintended consequences of what they've done.
0: Well, I mean, it was flying so fast, and I I don't think they cared about the consequences. And this is where you have real leadership. I mean – You know, this, I mean, and look, I mean, Sean Hannity loses his mind about the spring break beaches as if that was going to do something, but we have the media practice of medicine and I'll take Sean Hannity on for this because that's going to show I'm not going to take on just MSNBC, puts a focus on one spring breaker, blows it up in everybody's mind as if that's all spring breakers, brings all this media potential to shut down all the beaches in Florida. Now that's ridiculous. But there's no clinical proof, right? Because in the wind and on the beach and everything else, it's going to be a petri dish of stuff. So that's fine. Okay. Then they close them, but then they close the private beaches. Now, this is the thing. This is the ridiculous part. See, in, down in Clearwater over there, most of those beaches aren't private. In the Florida Panhandle, most of those beaches are, are private because the cities weren't that big until fairly recently. So 90% of that beach strand has got public access to private beaches, but they're not public beaches. So you can close the public access, and then all the people that live on the beach and all those condos, they could all be out there, and they'd still be within the guidelines of the CDC with social distancing. But in a panic – and this is from you know, law enforcement in the Florida Panhandle, which is called Red, Red, Red. <laughs> okay? So <laughs> – <laughs> Matt Gates is your congressman. What do they do? Oh, no, we can't be. No, 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 no. It's like the takings clause in the Constitution says you can't do this. But guess what? Oh, well, every type of fascist dictator, whether it's in that type of little area policeman or or, you know, the head of Venezuela, always says, I must have this power to save you. I must have this power to save you. And, and and that's the same. And they, so they just go, lose all sense of, of boundaries and go crazy. And so they shut them all. And and Sean Hannity just stirred that pot and put so much pressure on Ron DeSantis. You know, it's ridiculous. So now it's, it's you know, is anyone going to just listen to, like, science? And, and the other thing, I work in medic- medicine. I work in a laboratory. You know that cancer diagnostic testing and during this COVID problem has gone down like 75%. So we have shut down the day-to-day operation of medicine and said elective surgery is things like, you know, a hip replacement, which is insane. And so all, you think the tumors that are growing in people are just going to wait around for this to pass on by? So you don't understand that while you're sitting here trying to do this unne- this necessary evil to save the world because you have no ability of to to, die, to really ne- have a medical opinion that's relevant but even though you mean well you're hurting people. There's no one way around it. So you know, and and the first thing they'd say about closing economy is greed no health. <laughs> <Elf. laughs> uh, it's just very crazy-making, as you can tell.
3: It is, it is, but it's also, uh, it's also mind-boggling because you know I didn't realize that cancer treatment is down seventy-five percent um, because no, not the treatment, the diagnostic
0: the, testing.
3: Well, my husband just at the end of the last month was diagnosed with it. Uh, and oh,
0: gee, sorry. Fortunately,
3: we. We have we have a great doctor, uh he's up at the medical university of South Carolina and he's going once right now, every Wednesday he's going up there for testing and starting his treatment. Uh so thankfully they don't consider that one um uh, elective procedure. But for these 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 blue states like New York and California, uh, how many people will die of other things, such as cancer, because of the COVID virus, and they're shutting down the system. Right. Where are those statistics? You know, we may say we've got 60,000 that have died here in the United States, but how many from cancer and other illnesses because they're not being treated, because they've shut everything down?
0: Well, they, they play games the with, with statistics, and they hide things that aren't going to fit their narrative. Look what YouTube did to the doctors in California that had 5 million hits. 5 million hits that two physicians had. They just yanked them down because they were challenging it. And what did they do? Tech head, arrogant, rich too young, no medical background, self-righteous, obnoxious people. <laughs> <laughs> go sit there and go. We're the decider. That was misinformation, yank. Yeah, it's terrifying.
5: Now uh, check this out. Of- um, I go to the VA for appointments. I'm sorry. Pretty much, they <laughs> <laughs> I know all they- about the VA. <laughs> anyway. They shut down all appointments and and things like that, physical appointments, until like um, the end of the year, or and some into um, 2021. Now, get this, I have a, uh annual physical coming up in July, and the doctor wants to do it um, um, by video. Right, teleconference. That yep. same day, I have to come there to get lab work. I have to physically go to the VA hospital to do lab work, but go back home to do video. It, it doesn't make sense.
0: No, it doesn't make sense. But it's like the wheels are off the cart. I mean, these, these, I mean, it's like the tsunami is too big. You know, do you ever go? Do you ever have the Nextdoor app? I don't know if you've seen the Nextdoor app. Yeah. It's a big app. All okay, so yeah. that's I don't care what that's chocked full of these little self-righteous people that are just like. I can't believe you're walking in the park and they're too close to me. I'm like, get a life. Do some research. Go (laughs) see your doctor. Calm down. You know, and and, and just yesterday, the World Health Organization said, well, you know what? Maybe Sweden isn't so bad. You know, we've just been a grand experiment that started within a panic. You know, and they took away Mm -hmm. all these civil rights just because they wanted to protect us. I I will give them on the initial intent, I will. But, you know, then they kind of liked it. And it's really nice. And so now they got everyone locked up, just in all out of an abundance of caution, out of an abundance of caution. And you've got a, a terrifyingly large amount of people that have never been taught about this country or, or the philosophy about it, who actually think that's good, and would be shocked. Yeah. When they're proven wrong. But those, what I've learned in, since Romney lost, what I've learned about that crowd is when proven wrong, they do not they do not adjust. These people do yeah. not adjust when mm-hmm. proven wrong.
3: Exactly. You know, because I'm dealing with what's going on with my husband, and my mother had a stroke. And uh, I had to fly her up. She lived in the Caribbean. I had to fly her up because she wasn't getting the treatment she needed. I get her up here, I have a rehab hospital bed booked for her, all set up and waiting. But, of course, it's in the midst of the COVID you know, pandemic, so they're not going to let her go into the hospital until she's tested. Well, regulations state that she has to be quarantined for 14 days before she can go there. Now, you know with a stroke victim, every day they do not get physical therapy or treatment is like a year lost. Uh, it's it, People cannot recover from a stroke unless they get the proper treatment right away. And we had to finally, finally, my own personal doctor came to the house and gave her the test. He goes, I've got the COVID test kits. I'm coming over. So instead of waiting 14 days, we were able to get her in within five days. But how many other victims of either strokes, injuries, heart attacks, or any other thing, Cannot get the tr- the treatment. We'll never know because they won't have the category
0: active. for it. They, they won't know that they're, they're not going to do because administration. Is, I mean, we're all driven by PR. You know, the, the 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 local hospitals, rural hospitals, are getting decimated. They were set up for failure by Obamacare. Rolled the dice on these with these people, and they lost with this type of thing. Now you've got you bet hospitals just like screaming for money. And so they're not going to do anything to, to um, besmirch their public reputation. So you're not going to find that stuff. And if, 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 you, if, you, if you're a rabble rouser and you're an ER doc or something like that that doesn't directly bring in the business, they'll get rid of you. So it's everything, politics, you know, you could just, and I'll tell you, Richard Nixon's the first one with the HMO, man, starting about the late 60s, they started, you know, the politicians learned they could infiltrate medicine and they could get us some political points and get leverage and gain power because most of us have no experience with the medical establishment other than just going to the doctor when we're not really ill and that is like saying i fly delta airlines so i'm an aviation expert you don't know anything and so there it's a perfect storm to be able to get in there because they get people on fear first thing they did was convince everybody that the medical community the medical establishment was bad that the hospital system was broken which was bs you know, there's just no such thing as perfection in medicine, and you're, exi- and you're witnessing it right now with COVID-19. It's not possible. So, But once they convinced everybody of that, then they had to figure out a solution. They got enough stupid Americans to go, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm going to vote because that sounds like a nice thing to let them play with fire. And I'm not going to learn that I let them play with fire till I'm on the slab and I've got three years to live. And then, you know, it's the it's perfect scam because the educated person is soon going to be in the grave and you got another you know batch of dumb ones coming up the rear end it sounds all fine you know oh it sounds so nice you know and then they're shocked later that that's not how it went out so and then the media doesn't let the stories out so we have a lot less physicians we have much longer waits we've got delayed treatment and oh for all that great stuff we get to pay more than twice as much so how do we prevent the power of the, of the pushback on all that? We divide and conquer. We don't let the story get out. We don't let the individual have his peace and let it go through. We go on massive attack of anyone that, that steps out of our way. We try to destroy their very existence. That's what they tried to do to Sean Hannity. They did do it to Bill O'Reilly. You know, so, I mean, it is a war, and they are playing war, and and lying is just another bullet in the gun. It's really, you know, so uplifting. (laughs) Hey,
5: that's the United States of America these days.
3: (laughs) That's
0: right. Uh, It is. You know,
3: there there is an awakening. It started off with Michigan and there is that loop it now to open up America. Well they did elect
0: I that know. governor, so I think you might want to start with a different state. I don't know.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> She's a piece of work. But go ahead. I
3: I, I know I I I don't know if anyone listening in uh had gotten these emails but i had gotten one about open up america movement today that was supposed to occur at 12 o'clock and people were supposed to get in the cars and drive around blaring music out and letting people know that hey it's okay uh we're opening up america i don't know if anyone else heard about this but it was supposed to happen at noon but since hmm. i had my hands full my mom and I swear I'm going to have a revolving door on my front door between the nurse, the occupational therapist, the physical therapist, um, the home health aide, uh, social worker, uh, the medical device guy, the construction guys to help modify her bathroom. I'm just putting a revolving door on the, on the front half of the house. <laughs> That's just, but, you know, I've got so much more movement in my house than I have in the entire town. But your life does will go on, and this is not the new norm as long as we allow it to not be the new norm. And we each, every one of us, have to start pushing back.
0: Well, and, and this is the thing, but you can't make it this – You know, I mean, the the people that are screaming and the the, the little lambs lying on their back, so to speak, are going to have to be convinced to science and time. And it's really, it's crazy. And we have to get enough of them that are really going to understand science and time. Because people, people die. (laughs) I know that's hard to believe. And it's the question of how many. And keep in mind, this was a perfect storm because the Chinese put a bag over our head and nothing's, nothing's stronger than fear of the unknown, combined with insurance carriers, lawyers, and politicians. We were doomed from the start. Two million people were supposed to be dead. Not enough caskets. Not enough graves. Where are we going to put the bodies? Pictures from China with patients in the same hallway as corpses. Boy, that, that'll get you. That'll get you compliant, being doing doing what you're told real fast. <laughs>
4: you
0: know, then you have a bunch of scientists who are afraid to say anything. You know, you, it's like I don't want to. I don't want to be wrong, because look what they do to you in this culture if you're wrong. And, and, they'll, and, they'll, and they'll take the rear view mirror and they'll splice together the stuff that you said on TV three months ago and they'll ram it down your throat and lie through omission because that's what gets them ratings with their audience who want to hear that stuff. I was in Washington, D.C. this morning. I was driving out and I was listening to C SPAN on the radio and I could not believe some of the stupidity I heard from people. The Trump derangement syndrome is like very dangerous. These people are nuts. <laughs> They're nuts. Thing. what more. you going to
3: say. Sorry. Well, I believe it. Um, we've got about four more minutes with you before uh, Curtis brings in our next guest. But I have a caller in the line. Let me bring the person in. Um, right. You're here with the Southern Sense. I'm your hostess, Annie. The radio check. Our guest is Michael Jardy. Uh, to whom am I speaking? Hey, Mylon. Yes, you are. To whom am I speaking? Have you fellow stuck your own cock. Uh, thank you very much. You know you're doing something right when you get hit by a troll, and I just knocked my co-host down. Actually, <laughs> the wrong one. <laughs> oh no, sorry, Curtis. Oh no, I clicked on the wrong one. Oh no, sorry, Curtis. <laughs> my bad. Anyway, like
6: I can no, tell you I know panicked. you're doing something
3: right. <laughs> hit by a troll.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're idiots.
3: Yeah, we are having a major Trump derangement syndrome, and you know, when all is said and done, I think people are going to look at it saying he did the right thing at the right time. But well, you I will what disagree
0: that, but, with the massive bailout. But, but but you know, it's okay. The point isn't isn't that he was right or wrong. It's not the point. The point is what they're what they're, they're going on all these morality reasons, and I'm like. What? I mean, you cannot like policies and have policy differences and that's great that's not what's fueling this nutty behavior. You know, they really think that he's more corrupt than the rest of the people they've elected. And you know, and then you look at them when they they're proven wrong, look at how they twist it. Look at who's accusing Biden right now. Look at what they did to, you know, the Supreme Court justice And his confirmation hearings. And then look what they do here. Same people. And what do they do with Biden? Nothing. Bury it. The the, the, the recipe's the same. Wait, be quiet, exhaust it.
3: Exactly. You had Stacey Abrams screaming for blood from Kavanaugh. You had oh. Kamala Harris. You had Elizabeth Warren. You had Nancy Pelosi, and the list goes on. But these people playing the dirty, movies. dirty,
0: dirty with his children screaming in the room.
3: Going after the victims, uh, not going, at, not going after these false accusations, but you know, going after Kavanaugh just to just to decimate Trump. And yet when it comes to Joe Biden, they sing the absolute opposite tune, and the victim becomes victimized once again. It's to the point where even some on the left are starting to recognize it. Oh, well, that's by the good. Name Rose McGowan. Uh, I saw today Rose McGowan. I, I've never seen anything she's done, honestly. Couldn't care less. But she's, she's the, the one that after Weinstein. Democratic. Okay. Um, she said i 'm done with the democratic party
4: you know right.
3: I, I i and well, I think duh. people are starting to wake up <laughs> how can you have the me Too movement when you you say you 're supposed to believe the victim and you 're not believing the victim so
2: anyway well,
3: michael it's been a, it's been great having you with us uh People can find you by going to your web page, which is your name michael j dot com uh those listening to the show, just look at the description, click on the link, and it will take you directly to Michael's page and his book, The Devil Inside the Beltway. Mike, keep in touch and let me know how this last thing with the insurance company goes. It's been
2: a long Oh, it's going to go on for years. <laughs> 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 so <don't>, I will. <laughs> That's what they do. All right. All right. We'll care. We'll talk take, care. To take care. Bye. Bye.
3: All right. That was Michael Doherty. Uh, check out his website, MichaelJDoherty.com. Uh, we've got another Michael, Mike Fisher. He is with the New York City Central Park South Civic Association. Good afternoon, Mike. How are you today?
6: I'm doing great, and good afternoon to you. It, uh, you know, today today in uh, New York is a much nicer day out. The sun is out, and uh, and uh, there's more traffic on the roads. It's been a ghost town for a while, but. Uh, Now I'm seeing more cars traveling on the roads and more people outside. So I'm starting to feel that we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully.
3: Well, hopefully, yeah. Uh, matter of fact, um, I don't know if uh, you were told by Bridget when she booked you with me that I'm a retired New York City cop. So I I know Uh, the city pretty well. I saw that on
6: LinkedIn. uh, Actually, she didn't, but I saw that on LinkedIn. uh, Yeah, 10 years. (laughs) Yeah, 10 years before
3: I was disabled and sent to the pasture. Um, but uh, we still keeping sorry, up yeah. the fight. No, um, well, good anyway, for you, and thank you for your I, service. I was, oh, thank you. Um, but I was checking out your website, and you started off as a small group concerned about Central Park, but you've actually expanded your efforts and are helping people citywide. And I think that's absolutely wonderful that you, you're taking on issues that are tenement to keeping the city safe, despite the fact that the mayor and governor are are styming you and your efforts at every chance they get, uh, you're, you you want to deal with the homeless, uh, situation. And I understand something like 66% of the homeless have now contracted the virus in one form or another.
6: Yeah. I mean, uh, I would even say probably a little bit higher than that. I mean, um, the homeless are twice as likely to uh, catch the virus because they have such weak immune systems. And, uh, you know, I mean, they place themselves in situations like subway cars where where, a lot of the subway cars have been converted into shelters, you know, where they're more likely to to catch the virus and spread the virus throughout. So it's it's been a very tough situation for the homeless folks in the city, unfortunately.
3: You know, everything that de Blasio should have done, he did the exact opposite. By shutting down mass transit, he's forcing people into smaller and tighter cars, violating the safe distancing that they were talking about. <laughs> Excuse me. But I did see that recently he decided to um, shut down the subway, I believe it's between 1 and 5 a.m., so the cars can be. Sanitized. How well does that work? If five minutes later someone walks in with the virus and corrupts the, the car again.
6: Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, I applaud the uh, the mayor and the governor for taking some steps to do some do the thing they should have been doing all along, which was sanitizing the the subway cars. I mean, I was actually surprised that they weren't even sanitizing the subway cars. I mean, you know, this this virus has been spreading. It's been very dangerous and they've uh, They've been ignoring the subways. I mean, <clears throat> what I find fascinating is that you know above ground, you know there are strict regulations about wearing masks, about social distancing, you know six feet apart and you know not going into restaurants and the whole nine yards and yet in the subway cars, there's no social distancing there's there's uh, the, uh, they're abandoning the homeless people that are using the the subway cars as a shelter. They're spread out throughout the cars. We have essential workers that are trying to get to work, to hospitals where they're trying to save lives. You know, you have your, uh, your firefighters, you have your, your amazing police and, and everybody else that are trying to get to their jobs. And, uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, the homeless people that are, unfortunately, coughing and sneezing and spreading the virus. And uh, there's just no common sense there. Now, you're right, so they close the subway between 1 and 4. They scrub it down, and then the um, the, the homeless then go back into the subways and continue to use it as a shelter, you know, for the day and night until they shut it down again. So you're still in a situation where you're spreading the virus. What I'd recommended was that um, what the city should have done, and they can still do it, but obviously they should have done this a while back if they thought about it, was creating portable shelters, you know, uh, building those. I mean, the Army Corp of Engineers came in and built uh, portable hospitals, They could do the same thing with portable shelters. Uh, We have Javits Center, which pretty much is empty, and you have thousands of beds there, so you could move the homeless into these places, treat them, give them water, give them food, give them comfort, you know, and and, uh, take care of them as opposed to just abandoning them in the the subway cars.
3: You know, I I was seeing some of the things they were doing, too, also using hotel rooms for the homeless, and you had mentioned on your Mm. website the Savoy they're confiscating private property to shelter people
6: well you know they're paying you know they're paying to use it they're paying to use the hotel room so they're you know right now the city is bankrupt and uh it, it's not uncommon for these politicians to write just to spend the money they don't have and they're spending millions of dollars on hotel rooms right now I and mean, there's they're really and they're really not putting a dent in way in the homeless population in terms of helping them i mean it's too little too late i mean the homeless people that were in shelters were like catch. Were so close together in these shelters that they were passing it from one person to the other. They never, they never thought about that. You know, for the last two or three months, when they should have been thinking about it, and uh, they've just have been doing so many ridiculous things. I mean, putting people that have the virus into, you know, nursing homes and you know, just some of the things that I've seen that the city does without thinking things through. I always say common sense, like making common sense decisions. Some of the things that I've seen are just been just outrageous. And uh you know, we're we're kind of this politicians are very reactive. They wait that things get so bad then they react and they don't know what to do because they didn't plan for it. You know, they 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 ignore it, then they react. They don't have plans. And that seems to be the way the the city's been operating uh at least with this administration, last term and and this term and and the, you know, Look, I, personally, I think that the mayor is a nice guy. I've met him a couple times. The governor is a nice guy. I've met him before. You know, but, uh, you know, I think that, that these – I think it's just way over their heads, you know, in terms of – especially with this problem that we're having, I mean, uh, with the virus. I mean, to have a situation where you have, you know, three, four 400,000 people that have the virus, and this, New York being the, the epicenter of the virus, it, it, it shows you that they've just not been handling things correctly. We should not be at those numbers, and we certainly should not be at the death rate that we're at either, as far as I'm concerned.
3: Well, I have a high school friend, because I grew up on Long Island. Uh, within about a week of, of each, he lost his first, his mother-in-law, and then his father. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I. A lot of people – I still have family up in New York also. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of things they could have done at the onset. Instead of relying on regulations and politicians, they should have gotten a task force of first responders together, of medical personnel, of civil engineers to look at the logistics of the problem and do something to prevent the outbreak. But again, what I saw de Blasio doing uh, was the opposite of what he should have been doing.
6: He wasn't doing anything. I mean, he was working out in a gym, you know, when he wasn't in, in March, you know, uh, April, well, March. I would say March he was working out in the gym. He was riding the subway. They were going to Chinatown. You know, I mean, they were doing all kinds of stuff that they shouldn't have been doing. They weren't. Instead of, instead of taking this thing seriously and, and uh, focusing on ways to prevent the spread of the virus, they just weren't taking it seriously. And then they took it seriously, but then they were ignoring. I mean, to me, that the homeless have, uh, unfortunately, have, probably been responsible for spreading the virus quite a bit. I mean, if you take a look at New York, you take a look at New Jersey, with mean, the highest rates of uh, incidences of people who have the virus. So, if you, uh, you look at Long Island, where you said you're from, and you look at, uh, you know, Brooklyn, Queens, etc., I mean, the, the numbers are up there. And if you look at the people that, are, that have caught the virus and have spread it around, a lot of these people have ridden the subways. So, a lot of the, the, the spread of this virus has been in the subways, yet you they paid absolutely no attention to the subways even even as of like last week i was pounding and pounding and pounding for the city to do something and you know finally they're doing something but they're they're doing something but they're not doing something i mean they're still not they're still not coming up with a solution that you know really reduces the probability of somebody taking the subway an essential worker to, to get to their job and that is removing the homeless people not letting the homeless people go on the subways and and, and uh Putting them in some kinds of you know portable shelters. Portable shelters are a lot less expensive to build. You could have, you could have. I'm sure Trump would allow the Army Corps of Engineers to come in and build the portable shelters. They could do those quickly. They could take care of a lot of the the the, uh, the homeless that are in the trains and, and provide them with much a much more comfortable setting and feed them and give them water and you know which is what they really need. I mean, I, I rode the train about a month ago and I, I just couldn't believe what I saw on the train. It's they're defecating on the train. They're urinating on the train. They're uh, they're all spread out. There's violence on the trains. I mean, there's muggings. There's uh, uh, people getting robbed. The crime is way up. Uh, quite a few of the um, the police that work in the, the subways, uh, I think 70 or 80 or maybe 90 of them have passed away from the virus. This is just not. This should just should not be happening at all. And it's a very sad state of affairs, and it really frustrates me. And, uh, you know, I'm not a politician, you know, but I'll tell you what, I could do a better job than they're doing. And I hate to say that, but it's the truth. You know,
3: the sad part is I started the show off with a dedication, which we do every every show, dedication to a fallen hero. And I started the show off to the fallen law enforcement officers in the line of duty from the COVID uh, virus. And unfortunately, on the Officer Down Memorial page, New York City has not, Uh, Place any of these Officers as line of duty There's none New York City Police Department Mm. And uh, I know It's quite a few And uh, Patty Lynch The PBA president I know him very well We both came out of the same command And uh, These men And women that are out there Working on the subways Working among the homeless Be they Mm. law enforcement Or first responders or even people that are doing just medical or even charity work with them uh, are placing their lives in, on the line to help these people. And we've had a homeless problem with New York City for quite a long time, and it's gotten worse under this administration. I mean, we dealt with it back in the 80s, but I've never seen it come to this proportion or this destructive. And no one's asking, why are these people homeless? What is the situation that is causing this increase? Is it the loss of jobs? Is it, you know, the loss of services? You know, I know each and every individual is different in why they are homeless, but no one is asking, except your organization, why is this happening and what can we do to, to help and alleviate the situation?
6: Now, first of all I, I want to make a comment about the police, the uh, New York police, uh, as well as police around the, the entire country. You know, thank God we have the police. They do such an amazing job. I mean they you know a lot of times I'll talk to the police officers on the street and uh, they're just the greatest people and you know I'll, I'll walk up and I'll start talking about the issues on the street and some of the challenges that they're having and they're always glad to have a conversation with me and um, you know I have a tremendous amount of respect for them because uh, now more than ever before, it's just very dangerous being uh, uh, being on the streets wearing a uniform. So I, you know, my hat, my hats off to um, all of our uh, uh, all the all of our law enforcement who I think do an amazing job and deserve a lot more respect, especially in New York City from from uh, De Blasio than they get. I mean, they should be getting so much more respect, and it, it, it's sad that they don't get the respect that they deserve. As far as the uh, the homeless issue in the city and why it's getting worse is because. First of all, there's a lot um, there's a lot of mentally ill people that are living on the streets in the city. They don't go. They will. They refuse to go into shelters. They're afraid they're going to get mugged um, or, or robbed, and um, so they stay in the streets. We get a we're getting a, a, a huge growth of population of people on the streets. The problem that we're having is that you have you have these shelters where they go. You know where you have people go in. They maybe they get a meal. They sleep. And they go back out on the streets there's really no kind of like rehabilitation programs and the city spends about $3 billion a year, but I honestly don't know where that money goes because it's really not really helping the homeless and it's not doing anything to decrease the number of homeless people on the streets. what the city should be doing. And what, and this is a national crisis. So whether it's here or San Francisco, uh, you know, Seattle, Austin, Texas, New Orleans, Las Vegas, and so on and so forth, where, you know, the homeless crisis is is really uh, growing Continuing to grow. Um, Number one, there needs to be rehabilitation programs that are put in place. We need to get these programs back in place. You have people that are drug addicts. You have people that are, you know, alcoholics, or people that just are mentally ill. They need medications. And yes, you're going to see more people on the streets probably now because of this crisis. People have lost their jobs. They're they're maybe taking drugs or drinking. So uh, three four months down the road, when landlords are not going to be so nice and they're going to throw them out of their you know apartments and stuff so you may see more people on the streets and then these are people that are going they're going through tough times and and they're going to need help so what we need to do is uh, number one um we need to we need to look at creating rehabilitation programs i think that you know the city spent so much money on renting these expensive buildings like in new york city you know from these slum lords you know like for example the mayor has this program where he's looking at renting 90 buildings and he's going to spend a billion dollars a year just on those buildings and they're just going to be shelters. So a lot of people aren't going to go into them anyway. So what I, what I suggest number one is we have, we have military bases that the government's retiring and they have lots of buildings in those bases. You can use those buildings to house people and create modern rehabilitation facilities and take people off the streets and put them in there and try to rehabilitate them and try to, uh, give them some job training after they're rehabilitated, and then maybe you get a job and into affordable housing. You've got hospitals that are no longer hospitals. You've got, you know, abandoned hotels. You've got um, the city and federal government, which should be partnering together. And one of the things I like to do is create a summit between the state and federal government to have these discussions with experts to come up with solutions. But these ways are a lot less costlier. And uh, it also it aims at getting people off the street, get with the purpose of getting them rehabilitated, get them into a better life, and get them back out into you know a job and living an, a normal, a more normal life. And unfortunately, you know when you when you when you look at the cities where you have the greatest growth of of uh, homelessness, uh, there's no programs like this in place to help these people. And that's why you're continuing to see a growth of of uh, the homeless on the streets. And I walk up to the, I, I approach the homeless and some of them are so mentally ill. You can't even, they can't even, they don't talk to you. They, there's no communication there. I mean, you know, sometimes they're making noises and they're yelling crazy stuff at you, but you can't really talk to them. Other people I've spoken to, you know, just have gone through very, very bad times. They're on the streets. They, uh, they need help. They can't get a job. I mean, why can't they get a job? Cause they don't have an address. So nobody's going to hire them and uh so they're they're living on the streets. they need these are people that are crying for help and one last thing i wanted to add to that was you know mayor de blasio's philosophy is you leave them on the streets that's where they want to stay you leave them on the streets. you know he's like well i'm not going to take them off the street if they don't want to come off the street and then there's a law in place that says that if they're not if they're not harmless to themselves and not harmless to, to uh you know people other people then you can't take them off the streets so I think the law needs to change. I think that we need to have a system where we're taking them off the street and putting them into a process of rehabilitation. And if we do that, we're going to have, a, going to have safer streets, cleaner streets, uh, and you're going to have people that are going to have better lives.
3: Yeah. now what I also love is that um, with this virus epidemic out there, they were decided to empty the jails to prevent the spread of the virus. <laughs> and so now you've got prisoners. Uh, oh, and by the way, we'll give you a Visa credit card or tickets to a concert if you promise to show back up in court. Yeah, right. That's going to work real well. Uh, so now you've got the, these being released from prison. Where do they go? Most of them, a lot of them probably oh, are on the streets horrible. themselves. And and out committing crimes also, which does yeah. nothing to prevent the virus from being spread. The... the, the I see coming out of the governor and the mayor of New York. Stunning.
6: You know, again, we talk about portable shelters. I mean, you could have easily had the Army Corps of Engineers come in and build portable prisons. You know, you build, uh, you put them up, you guard them, and you keep them. You know where they're at instead of just releasing them into the streets. And, yeah, we have a, you know, especially in New York, where crime rates going up. I mean, you have the commissioner of police. You've got pre- former commissioners. People are well. The commission. Our current commissioner is probably not going to say too much, but you have former commissioners that are are stepping up and saying it's a terrible situation. You know, it's a terrible situation for uh, you know for our first responders. You know, I mean, for the police to have to deal with these issues. We have enough issues to deal with, and then you know they're on the streets. They're they're stealing. They're robbing people. They're uh, mugging people, and it's just not a good situation. And um, Again, reactive. They don't think it through. That's the problem with politicians that I see. They react to things. They don't think it through. And then, like, for me, like, when I approach politicians and have conversations about the homeless issues, they don't really want to talk about it. They don't want to be involved with it because it's just too much work for them. But then when you have a major problem in an emergency situation, then they're forced to deal with it. They react to it, but because they haven't thought it out well enough, they don't make the right decisions.
3: Well, as, as Bigfoot in the chat room observed, this is what a lot of people are saying across the nation. Law-abiding people are under house arrest while prisoners are released. Brilliant. It,
6: but that's exactly what it is. <laughs> I, I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> You're right about that. We are under house arrest. You're right. It's a scary situation. You know, we think about it for a second. The government has shut down the country. So they've shut down our businesses. They've shut down our jobs. You know, people people who are living paycheck to paycheck can't afford it. A lot of these people try to go on unemployment, and it's impossible sometimes to even get the application in there and get and, and to get money. And people pay into these programs. It's not like the government's doing you a favor. People pay into these programs, so they're entitled to get it, and the government gives them such a hard time to get the money. And uh, it, it's a terrible situation. You're right. Then they let the uh, they let the, these uh, criminals out, and they give them cell phones. <laughs> and everything else to make them feel comfortable it's it's a crazy situation you're right it's again there's no common sense you know it's like they closed the i'll give you another no common sense new in new jersey for example they closed down the they're opening them up now but they closed down the parks for a while i mean that makes no sense why close down the parks people have to have a place to go and walk around and you know because otherwise people are going to get mentally ill i mean if after a while if you're in your apartment too long you're going to get mentally ill. (laughs) I'm starting to feel that way, you know, because you you want to get out. You have to get out and walk. You can't just – I think we've gone way too far with this thing, way, way too far. You know, one extreme – it's like we go from one extreme to the other. It's crazy.
3: Well, they're also finding that people who are outdoors have less chance of catching the virus than people that are confined within a building. You know, if you're in a building with other people, the air is not circulating uh, as well, and you're likely more likely to get the virus than if you're sitting out in an open-air restaurant uh, or in a park or playing a round of golf or throwing a Frisbee with your kids. You're less likely to get it, so you should be encouraged to enjoy the outdoors. And enjoy
6: the fresh air, the exercise, which is healthy for people Absolutely. for a nation that's growing a whole beef. And think about this for a second. Subway cars, petri dishes on wheel, a petri dish on wheels. So they're letting all these they're letting all of our essential workers, okay, ride in these subway cars that are sealed shut, okay, with people coughing and sneezing. They're letting this go on. And we're fighting with the city. You gotta do something. You gotta do something. And they're not doing anything. And finally, they do a little bit of something. That, what does that tell you about these politicians? It's cr- Mike. how cool is that? Go ahead.
5: Mike, do yes. you see uh, a change in people's attitude towards the mayor in New York?
6: Because uh, of the no, the- no, no, Actually, no. I think people genuinely haven't liked him for a long time, actually. <laughs> I think people have, seen, people have seen through him for a long time. Look, like I've said, I've met him several times. I've sat in on a couple of his, you know, presentations. He's a nice guy. You know, when, when he's presenting, he, he, he says some pretty good things. But then when you watch him make decisions, he, I just shake my head. I go, how can you make decisions like that? It makes no sense. I, know, I, don't think people have, I don't think he's had a lot of respect for a long time. There's very low turnout for uh, voting. So you don't have, you know, in the first election and the second election when he got reelected, you just don't have a big turnout. You know, I blame blame citizens. I blame us because people need to register to vote and they need to use their vote as an opportunity to get a good politician in office. And when a politician's not doing a good job, like he was not doing a good job his first term, you vote them out. Unfortunately, people don't take advantage of the opportunity to vote. They don't take that seriously. But we could have so much of an influence on the outcomes of elections no matter what election it is if you have more people out there voting and uh, you know and speaking their mind and letting you know letting politicians the other thing is is letting politicians know that they're not doing a good job I mean we don't have enough people to do that I think people people basically they do their, they they go to work they come home and that's it a lot of people don't get involved with speaking their mind about what they don't approve of with politicians and that's why they get away with what they get away with unfortunately
3: Well, we're down to our last five minutes, Mike, and it has been a lot of fun having Mm -hmm. you on the show. And I welcome you back any other time and talk about some of the other things that the Central Park Civic Association does. Um, Because citizens like you that are willing to put your neck out there to help make that city better. Um, But uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, we're going to get out of this virus and we'll return to normal, whatever that may be. But this is not the new norm. It, it, and we are socializing. You know admirals. what? We're the, we're, we're, we're,
6: the, we're the greatest country in the world. And we're with the the people like you out the there,
3: it's going to keep on being one. So thank you, Michael. People can and, find you at centralparkcivicassociation.com, dot com. Correct?
6: Absolutely. And one other thing: China pay every single U.S. citizen money for what you did to our country. <laughs> you Good luck to throw with that out there. <laughs> I, no, I you like know that. what? Love, don't, pay. Pay, don't pay the federal government. Don't give the federal government the money. Pay every citizen the money directly. That's what they should be doing. Because what they did to every, <laughs> what right. they did to every American citizen in this country, they should be ashamed of.
3: Oh, Absolutely. It's an act of terror. Well, thank you, Michael, and God bless it. Enjoy your weekend.
6: God bless you guys. Take care. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed our conversation. You too. All right. Okay. Take care.
3: Mike Fisher. Uh, you can find him at Central Park Civic Association dot com, and that's it. We have for today, Curtis. Um, I started lining people up for next week, but I don't even remember who I who I have. But people, if you've uh, just tuned into the show, you can always listen to it back on iHeart. We are now finally up on iHeart Radio. I don't know how we did it or who put us up there, but thank you. <laughs> so I want to thank everyone for joining us. Be at, safe out there. Be smart, be safe, and we'll get through this, and life will turn back to normal sooner than we think. Right, Curtis? Hopefully. Most certainly.
5: Got to stay positive.
3: All right. Well, I'm going to leave you with our friend Richard Lynch and his song, We're American Proud. So I say good night, and God bless, until next Friday.
2: Got American, pride. got American pride, we stand side by side, side by we talk clear and loud, we're American, American proud, proud. California's domain. California main, our freedom's the same, from the backwoods to the big towns, they're American proud if you like driving house they put in the minds all our farmers and friends whose day never ends with our soldiers in mind They leave no one behind No one needs The God we keep on his bow We're American proud. Pride in our eyes. There's no way to disguise. No, you can't keep us down. We're American proud. It's too like a driving pounds. They put in the minds all our farmers and friends. they say never ends. Our soldiers, in our soldiers in mind, they leave no one, no one behind, to God we keep our heads bowed, we're American proud, God, we're American proud, we're American proud, we're American proud. We're American proud.